Hey, y'all. I just want to thank you guys so much for listening this week. So, so before we get into the episode, I just want to pre-apologize for this audio quality. I contemplated not posting it, but to be honest, just the content um, that Curtis, the, the knowledge that Curtis provided was just too good not to share. Uh, but I I, uh, I lost all the audio um, through the mics. And so anyway, long story short, technical difficulty, the, the sound quality is not great. But if you can see past that, the content in this episode is fire. So take a listen and uh, just don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen. Leave us a comment or review and check us out on YouTube. Um, we're over there now at uh, MPG Real Estate Podcast. So thank you all so much and uh, thanks for listening. See you soon. Show. I'm your host, Josh Mulder. This week I got Curtis Bellinot from Bell Homes. What's up, man? Hey, man. How's it going? It's going good. Uh, had some technical difficulties yesterday. We're trying, <laughs> we're trying part two today. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Technical difficulties. We'll take that. But uh, so yesterday was May the 4th, so we had a Star Wars-themed thing. Yeah. And then now today is May the 5th, Cinco de Mayo, and so now we've got some margaritas. So yeah. yeah. Go. Cheers, bro. Yeah, it was funny. Like, we had everything set up for Star Wars, and we got blessed with, uh, with Cinco de Mayo. Very next day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um... Classic question. Yes. 18 to right now. What's the trajectory? You go uh, to high school. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I honestly, like, wanna, wanna not answer it just yet. I wanna, I wanna ask, I wanna sit, see if I could, uh, I don't know, give just, like, an introduction about myself before the 18. Okay, all right, yeah, let's do it. So, like, a lot of the podcasts that I listen to, uh, and by the way, thank you so much for having me on. Like, I listen to your stuff, and I'm very impressed with, your, with the other people that you brought on here. Thanks, man. Um, but, yeah, so uh, why should people, like, find this interesting? So I was thinking about it, like, I'm 31, almost 32. Birthday's, like, two weeks from now, so happy early birthday to me. Yeah, happy birthday. And um, so I, I used real estate to become a millionaire before I turned 30. So... Uh, I, I moved here to Savannah in 2014. I've been a real estate investor since like 2012. And I quit my full-time job and went full-time real estate investor in 2016. Since then, I've got like $6.5 million of assets that I control. Uh, I've got about three and a piece of debt on there. So to do the math, about two point something like uh, net worth. So pretty, pretty stoked yeah, on that. Pretty stoked. I've, yeah. I've got, uh, I got over twenty rentals, uh, and I've got um, right now we have five flips going on at one time. Uh, I got some great investors that help me along the way. Lots of great mentors that help me along the way. Uh, but yeah, that's. I think that's why you invited me on because I'm young, I'm hungry, um, and you know, being able to share this information and stuff is just, uh, it's awesome. It's a blessing. So. A thousand percent. Plus, you came highly recommended, and we were getting into it a little bit yesterday. But um, so we haven't really done it that much since COVID. But we used to have like the meetups yeah. in town. And one time, I saw you present at one like early last year, and you had me hooked, bro. I was fired up. Like for like the next probably two months, anytime me and Matt Perkins would talk about anything, I'd be like, "Dude, do you think Curtis is doing that?" <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, and that's that's a big thing. Like you need to be inspired, and if you can inspire people, like that's awesome. So, uh, so yeah, you said. Um, you, you did like so you just went to one of those things and the next year you did like 23 deals or something 23 wholesale deals and two flips yeah that's incredible like that's so big we only did three the year before that yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty yeah it's a pretty big jump what is that an eight-fold increase nine-fold increase that's insane yeah so it was 
And so we were busy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah busy's good. <laughs> yeah. So, now, now look at you, just hanging out on a Wednesday and drinking tequila. Drinking tequila. <laughs> <laughs> Living shoot, the dream. Yeah, shooting the breeze. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah. Well, what's your background? So, like, started investing in 2012, but what were you doing before that? Kind of what, what was the second second way of kind of into investing? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, before that, I mean, do you want to, uh, before that I was doing, um, I was in the Army, so, uh, that's how I got invested in real estate. But my background really is um, born and raised in Los Angeles, California. Um, you know, land of movie stars, and I'm from the Valley. Which, if you've seen like Clueless, like oh my god, like that's where I'm from. <laughs> and uh, so I, uh, but I grew up, you know, middle class. And my dad did pretty well, like when I was uh, about ten or eleven, and like kind of shot us to like a better level than we were doing. Um, we went to better schools and, you know, my parents were still, like, my dad drove a Corolla and my mom, you know, picked us up in a minivan and, but I had friends, like, in middle school and they'd get picked up in, like, a, you know, I remember this yellow Lamborghini and I was just like, damn, like, that's what I want, like, you know, my mom would pick me up at an MPV, like, no hate, my mom, you know, I, I never wanted for anything, you know what I mean, but, like, I was just like, that's what I want and that's when I knew, like, I want to be rich, like, I want to be rich, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I want to be rich, um, so fast forward a couple of years, I realized I'm not the smartest person in the room. Uh, I'm not gonna be able to like make, you know, I'm not Elon Musk making rockets and stuff. I'm not, you know, uh, gonna make the new iPhone. Um, and so growing up in California, it's kind of expected. I had one older sister who's amazingly academically um, uh, talented. And so she was taking like four or five AP classes like every single year of high school. Um, and she's four year, three and a half years older than me. So when she was going into high school, I was going to middle school. And then when she was going to college, I was going into high school. Um, and I, mean, I think she walked into her freshman year with like, I don't know, like 20 credits or something like that. So like she, like she was just killing it. And so, you know, you're the younger sibling, you're judged on the older sibling. Like, Hey, you do this. And of course, I, school is not my forte. Like I was not happy with that. As soon as I could get a job, I got a job. Like I just wanted to work. Um, I, I mean, I thought class was so boring. Um, but you know, you grew up middle class in America uh, back in the day. Like that's what you did. You go to college. Um, so you know, and I, I mean, I barely graduated. People say like, oh, what do you mean barely graduated? Like you know, I got I graduated with honors, uh, but I had uh, uh, I had thirty seven absences in my senior year of high school. So 37 absences, it's, I just didn't want to be there, you know, 8 a.m. classes are hard to make. So, <laughs> so uh, I, uh, I, this, this became an issue because, you know, if you have 37 absences, you should be failing out of your classes. Um, and I wasn't. And so the deans and stuff got together and instituted a new rule saying, hey, you will not, you're not allowed to walk across the stage without, uh, or with more than 10 absences. And I talked to my dad, and I was like, hey, so there's this new rule. And he's just like, you will be graduating. You will be walking across that stage. And uh, I was like, OK. I didn't tell him how many absences I had at the time. But I was like, I think I'm on the edge. And he's just like, well, you're, you're walking across the stage. I said, oh, OK. So I got my homework teacher, and I was like, hey, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm like 18. And I'm just like, so uh, I really need to graduate. I'm not a bad student. I've got 3.2 grades. You know, uh, can you help me out? Because he's the homework teacher. He takes care of like attendance, and he's like, you know what, Curtis? Yeah, come with me. So like, this was like, you know, n like there was no like, hey, you're a bad kid, or this is what's up. Da da da. It was just like, hey, come with me. I didn't know if it was good. I didn't know if it was bad. 
So we walk, of course, the, my homeroom classroom is like all the way on the other side of the school, and the school is like a big school, it's like 4,000 student body population, like it's a big school. And uh, so we walk like 10 minutes over to the office and get down to the um, administration's office, and you know, I'm 18, there's like a 23-year-old clerk working there, and here's this, you know, homeroom teacher who's been there teaching for like 25 years like that, head of the magnet department, like he's the big head honcho teacher. And he goes just to this like 23-year-old person like, I made a mistake. And she's like, what? And he's like, I made a mistake. And she's like, oh, okay, well, we can definitely fix it. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I made uh, uh, 20, 26 mistakes. And she's like, what? And he's like, uh, he was, uh, Curtis Bellinot, let's bring up his record, yep, he, he was uh, in class this day, he was in class this day, in class this day. And I'm just like, Oh my God! And she's just like, uh, like I can see her her fingers trembling on like the pen, just the paper records at the time. And I was just like, uh. And as he goes through, uh, it got down to we had like nine and uh, nine absences. And he looks at me and he goes, "All right, I got you nine. It's up to you to graduate or not." And I mean, it took me like we still like another maybe like six weeks or something like that of school. So I was in class every day, like for those next six weeks so that I wouldn't get the 10 absences so I could go graduate across the stage. So that was my academic career. Like, I hated it. But I had my sister who was just like absolutely killing it and, you know, taking all these AP classes. So it was just kind of ex expected of me to go to college. I hated college, uh, got kicked out, um, went to San Diego State. It was beautiful. I fully recommend everyone go visit San Diego at one point. It's literally the best city in, in America, weather-wise. Um, and, uh, so yeah, so I went to college, it wasn't for me, got kicked out, long story short, um, and I joined the army. I had a, I had a good friend uh, who's kind of pushing me. Uh, he joined right out of high school, and it took me about a year or so uh, to figure out that college wasn't for me. And, and, and then uh, the job I was working at was the was flipping VW vans, and I was just... Just bored. I, I didn't like it. It was, it was, uh, it was just annoying. Uh, I had a long commute. I, LA wasn't for me. Uh, I had two friends get two DUIs and another buddy who uh, he was getting big into heroin and actually passed away like 10 days before I joined the army. And there was just like this fork in the road that I saw. And I was like, you know, college is for me. I'm a young person. I work hard. Like, I need something to occupy my time. You know what I mean? For and give me a job and, and let me figure out life without like destroying my life. Right. And uh, which is kind of funny because you know joining the army in a time of war and thinking it was to be better than saving my life. <laughs> and, you know, anyways, <laughs> better to go to war than live in LA. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, at the time, yeah, yeah, as a young person with you know too much too much ability to get in tr into trouble. So uh, so yeah, so I uh, joined the army and that's where I learned about real estate. Um, and it's just been a rock and roll ride since. So yeah, that's awesome, man. So um. You're in the army and you bought your first property while you were in? Yeah. So what was that first investment that you made? Um, so um, I did, like I said, I, I want to be rich, but I didn't know. So thankfully, um, you know, I was, I was on a budget when I got to my first duty station. So I was going to like the local library, like the on-base library. And somehow picked up Rich Dad Poor Dad. I was like, oh, this is dope. Oh, oh how can no one taught me this, you know? Um, and so then when I deployed to Afghanistan, uh, there was a, this is, yeah, 2010, 2011, I met some people who were a little bit older than me, uh, who were investing in, you know, fourplexes around Fort Hood, and I was like, you know, they're telling me all this stuff, and I was just like, oh my god, I found it, fourplexes, like, I gotta invest in real estate, so I picked up Gary Keller's, uh, How to Be a Millionaire Real Estate Investor, 
I was like, this is for me. This is exactly what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to be a real estate investor. Mind you, I'm like 21 at this time. And so, you know, so a lot of, I had a lot of energy, but not a lot of skills or other things like that. So I knew how to learn. Uh, ended up talking with them. I got back to Fort Hood and realized I was broke private and I couldn't afford a fourplex on my salary. So when I got to El Paso, which is about four or five months later, this the end of 2001, 2012, uh, I ended up going with uh, Roberto. Oh man, I'm so sorry. Forgot his last name, but he was my first real estate agent in El Paso. And uh, we looked at like, I think it was like 80 homes or something like that. It was just an incredible amount of houses. Uh, I mean, El Paso at the time was like, just every other house had a for sale like sign on it. It was wild. Um, and then... Was it getting frustrated that you were like looking at so many houses? Yeah, but nobody had... Uh-oh. Oh. I'm sorry. Rookie mistake. I know, no, no bad. big deal, no big deal. All right, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, we looked at all these houses and I was just basically doing the same method that Gary Keller said. Hey, these are your comps, you know, the whole Mayo formula, you know, um, ARV uh, times 0.7 minus repairs. But I knew I was going to live in it, so there was like, I used like the rental approach, which was basically, you know, what can you rent it for? Minus management fees, minus whatever mortgage, uh, and then hopefully it's about you know hopefully it cash flows. You know don't expect to get rich off one house, but you know if you can cash flow like 150 to 250 uh, per door, you're good. And uh, so we we're looking at all these three twos, couldn't find anything at the right price. We we're putting a bunch of bids in. Like I said, this is the bottom of the market. So suddenly these houses, I think like two years before, were selling for like 150, and now they're selling for like 80, 83. So like or maybe 88. So it was just there's a lot of value there that all older people had been like, okay, this is the bottom. You know what I mean? Like this is, yeah, I got a 40% like discount. I can do this. So we walked this last house. Um, what was it? It's 11906 Bannercrest Drive. I think that, I think that's the address. I still own that? No, I wish. Is that a palm tree in the house? Uh, actually, in front of the house. Uh, it was a great house. But we walked it and it was listed as a 3-2, $88,000. And uh, go through there. And I looked at my realtor and I was like, Roberto, does this place have four bedrooms? And he's like, yeah, it's got four bedrooms. And I was like, this is a 4-2? And of course, you know, I'm the, with a real estate agent. Like, I was also in the Army. Like, if you go publish stuff, like, it needs to be accurate information. And I was just like, they made a mistake? And he goes, yeah, real estate is real estate agent's probably an idiot. <laughs> Not saying anything bad about real estate agents, but I'm just saying there's a lot of people who just miss the details. Um, that was a big detail. But so four twos at the time was selling for like 102, 104. And so I was like, oh my God, let's do a full price offer right now. Got under contract and lived in it for three to four months. And then I went to Egypt. So yeah. And uh, we made, we made uh, after everything was said and done, about 150 bucks a month. Um, I threw $100 to the principal balance and then $50 I would spend every month and I would take my girl out at the time and be like, hey, babe, this is this one's on Bannercrest Drive <laughs> and, you know, you know, take her to whatever crappy bar that I'd take her to so, and just spend 50 bucks. It was great. So. That's awesome. Uh, what? How long did you hang on to that property for? Mm. Um, so that one was, I bought it in 2012, the beginning of it, and then uh, as soon as I got out of the army, um, uh, I got a phone call and I was at the time I was house rich, cash poor. I had a phone call like two or three months out of getting out of the army. And, uh, my realtor goes, Hey man, who was also my property manager. 
hey, uh, you know, the tenant who's been in there for three years is leaving and honestly needs a bunch of work. You might want to just throw some uh, carpet in there, paint it, and then we'll list it. And I was like, well, what do you think it'll go for? And he goes like, ah, oh, like 112. I was like, all right, cool. Uh, how much is it going to cost to do everything? He's like, eh, probably about five G's. So he managed the renovation, you know, he got some people to, you know, paint, whatever else. Uh, meanwhile, I'm renovating here in Texas. He takes care of everything. And because I put a hundred dollars a month all against the principal, I think I only owed like 75 K or something like that, uh, on this thing. So I ended up walking away after realtor fees and all this other stuff to like, with like 20 some thousand dollars. And That's not a bad return. Not bad. No, not at all. And like, I had a great experience, like investing out of state. Um, and it was, it was, I was just super hooked on the entire situation. So I, I love that house. Uh, a lot of people say they hate El Paso. I love El Paso. Um, I would want to live there. I love it. <laughs> what was the segue from buying that first property to in El Paso to investing here? So kind of, you know, what I mean, like, like yeah. why Savannah? Or- um, so. Um, you know, I was in the army, so you only have like a few places we can go. And I worked on helicopters, so that really limits the amount of people or places you can go because there's only so many helicopter assets around, you know, the, the country and the world. So um, I somehow lucked into amazing orders to Egypt. I had a great time over there. I spent some time in Israel. It was super, super cool. Uh, to everyone listening, don't discount Israel. It's absolutely amazing, absolutely beautiful. They love Americans. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, but uh, so. Uh, I was there as an individual replacement tour. Uh, I think that's what it's called. Anyways, uh, instead of going there as a group of people, it's you know one person replaces another person. So you just have this constant rotation. Uh, so about six months into it, it's a, it was a one-year tour, uh, and so six months into it, they kind of say, hey, once a month, uh, you need to call the branch manager, uh, basically like the human resources of the Army, and find out where your next duty station is. Um, and so... I called them and they're like, hey, uh, yeah, we've got a spot for you uh, in upstate New York. And I'm like, from LA. And I was just like, I can't do Lake Effects now. It's not happening. <laughs> and then the other one was Kansas. And like, I've seen The Wizard of Oz. I didn't like the way it turned out. So I was like, no, I'm not going to do Kansas. And the guy's like, all right, call me again in a month. And for civilians who don't know, like, what, like why call again in a month? And it's like, because every month, the every unit in the Army sends up numbers and to Big Army, and they basically say, uh, so-and-so people in this rank got promoted, uh, this person, you know, uh, died, so, you know, his spot opened up, uh, this person got kicked out of the Army, or this person is doing a transfer, or whatever else. So just so, constant turnover. Constant turnover, and so certain things will just open up. And so I had, I had a call the next month, and they're like, New York or Kansas, and I was like, nope, call it, let's talk to you in a month. <laughs> <laughs> Margaret's good. Yeah, um, those are really that's going down easy. It's very easy. It's yeah. Area. I know. They're, yeah. <laughs> so lime juice contro. And what we got today? We got Curadura. Yeah. <laughs> so that's some good stuff. Anyways. Um so happy St. Domile. So it was like the third or fourth month, and uh it's kinda cut it close, and I was like, What what do you got for me, man? And he goes, New York. I was like, we've been over this for like the last three months. Like, this is ridiculous. I know. He goes, Kansas. We've already been over this. Like, no. And then the third one, he goes, uh, Georgia. And I was like, I've already been to Fort Benning, which I don't know if people know. It's like on the Alabama-Georgia line. Miserable place. Don't go there. Um, although there's a huge Airbnb market there. Um, really? Yeah, we'll get into that later. Okay. And then, and then he goes, well, I got Hunter Army Airfield. And I was like, Hunter Army Airfield? I've never heard of that. 
Uh, and mind you, the last two bases I was stationed at, one was Fort Hood, which is the largest base by population, and then Fort Bliss, which is the largest free, uh, the largest army base in the free world uh, by land. So uh, it's like encompasses where they did like the nuclear test stuff. Uh, they've got like a giant missile range. It's just a stinking desert. Um, don't touch tiny things that you find. Um, <laughs> And, uh, so, uh, so I didn't know. I didn't know this base existed. And so he's like, yeah, it's in Savannah, Georgia. I said, cool. Uh, I'm going to call you back tomorrow. I'm going to do some research tonight. Uh, and of course, you know, I'm in Egypt, so there's like a 12 hour difference. And so like, I would call him at like 7 PM every night when he would be getting into the office at like 8 AM in the morning. So it was always like, we only had like a little bit of time to talk. Um, and it was like one phone. So like other people would be waiting for the phone. Like, <sighs> Army, so no. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> and I thought that was a nice assignment. Um, and so, uh, so I just did some googling, and I was like, Savannah. Type in Savannah, of course. You know, the picture of the Forsyth Fountain comes up. You know, and I was like, oh, that's beautiful. And so I'd been, uh, I'd been in Afghanistan, in the western part, which is like the stinking desert. And then I got stationed in El Paso for like two years, which is the stinking desert. And then I'm in Egypt in the Sinai uh, Peninsula, which is the stinking desert, like where, I mean, Moses got lost, like I was right there. And um, I was just so tired of just tan, just like brown, just like no vegetation. And so when I saw these pictures of like how green and the Spanish moss and like, you know, it was close to the ocean, just like this looks like paradise and started doing some more, you know, digging. And I was like, oh my God, there's like, the base is right next to the city which is really rare. And then um, there's this SCAD, which is Savannah College of Art and Design. And I was like, oh my God, there's like a college with like 30,000 people and it's an art school, like probably mostly female, like this is gonna be phenomenal. And then I was like, it's 30 minutes from the beach, awesome. And then I could drink in the streets? Oh, cool, let's look at some home prices. Oh, uh, there's a million dollar house right here. If I go a mile one way, it's, I would see houses. I remember this one, uh, it was on, one on Vine Street. I think it's actually on the market right now. Uh, like 1926 or something like that, Vine Street. Uh, that The Australian guy that you just talked about, he just flipped it. Uh, I actually did a video on that. It's on my YouTube. Oh, yeah? In that house. So somebody bought that in like 2014 for like $26,000. And I was like, this is insane. This is a mile from a million dollar property and it's $26,000. Like, Anytime you see that valuation change, you know there's money to be made somewhere. So I was like, yes. Called him up the next day. Hey, uh, I want I want I want I like, what do I need to do to get that? He goes, oh, uh, well, since you took so long making a decision, you actually have to have another like 18 months on your contract before you can get it. And I was like, so I have to re-enlist? And he goes, yeah, you have to re-enlist. So I was like, what are my chances? Uh, what, what, what do I do if I don't re-enlist? And he goes, you're gonna go to Fort Bragg, which is North Carolina. And people call it, it's Fayetteville, North Carolina. Everyone calls it Vietnam. And I was like, uh, and he goes, yeah, you're spending the last nine months of your army career basically in processing soldiers, and that's it. And I was like, so nine months doing a menial BS job making a bunch of money and I was like, I'm gonna basically drink myself to death and blow all my money on stupid things. It's like, I will re-enlist. So, talked to the recruiter, re-enlisted, and uh, did another basically two plus years on my contract um, and got the got station down here. I got here in September 2014 and it was, it's just been phenomenal since. So, way beyond my wildest expectations. What was the first deal you did when you got to town here? 
So, like, when you came to town, were you like, okay, I need to buy real estate, like, right away? Yeah, well, I need to find a place to stay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, um, so I got back from Egypt. I flew home to L.A., um, grabbed a bunch of stuff, and bought a truck, loaded up my Chevelle, drove across country. And the Army's cool. They, they give you an extra 10 days. You just got to get around here, and they give you 10 days to find a house. Um, and so I had an aunt and uncle, uh, shout out to Aunt Barbara and Uncle Ben, um, and they let me stay at their house in Aiken, like two hours away. So every day I'd drink beers with my cousin and then uh, <laughs> go to sleep and then wake up at like five in the morning and then leave the house at six. And then I would just, I scheduled like, like uh, rooms to rent because I was, I was, I, uh, I had too much rank, I couldn't stay in the barracks, so I had to have an off-post place, and so they gave me like 1600 bucks a month to live, and, you know, if you're smart, you're like, I don't need $1,600 to live someplace, so I rented a room, um, and so yeah, so the first 10 days was just like, just trying to find rooms, and I went to the south side, I went downtown, I went all the places, excuse me, and, um, I ended up getting with this guy, uh, Ken Massick, super cool guy, and that was, he, he, um, uh, he took me into his house. Uh, I went there to just talk to him and see the room, whatever else. And we ended up staying out on his like front porch, talking about foreign policy for like two and a half hours. <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, I just need somebody responsible in this room. It's like a twenty-two hundred square foot Victorian in the Starlet District. Before it was like the Starlet District. Um, this is like the end of twenty fourteen. Like there's nothing there. It's like the wormhole, Foxy Loxy, and like that's it. Right. Um, and he just had this awesome place, super close to downtown. It was like three point two miles from my parking spot on the base." 2.2 miles to the river, super sexually located. Um, and he was like, yeah, I'm like out of town six to nine months out of the year. I just need somebody responsible uh, who can take care of my cat and you have the full run of the place. And I was like, cool. So for 550 bucks, I'm living in Starland. Um, and I negotiated the lease. I said, hey, man, I man, I think I'm gonna buy some real estate. So if I can just get like a six month lease, that'd be awesome. And he's like, well, I really want like a long-term tenant. And, but he's like, you seem cool and responsible. Like, we'll figure it out. Ended up living there for like two and a half years. So, <laughs> so it worked out for him. Worked out, yeah, worked out for him. Worked out, uh, worked out great for me too. Um, but yeah, I was just like, I need to be, I need to be, you know, getting, getting some real estate. Because, yeah, I got really tired of the Army. I got really tired of the Army. And I needed to find an exit path. So, <laughs> so what was the first deal you did in town then? So you find a place to rent. You rent from that guy, that's stable. So what's the first investment you made here? Uh, first investment was like know the town. So I got here in like twenty the September twenty fourteen. From like September twenty fourteen to like Christmas time, it was figure out Savannah. So that means like I got a real estate agent, but I was also just looking at neighborhoods, I was driving around, driving for dollars. Uh, and then also talking to everybody. I'm a real estate investor. Like where do you guys, you know, where should I invest? Of course I so cool. I sampled the local cuisine. And all the other fun things that go on in Savannah, especially when you live close and walking distance of downtown. Right. Ended up hanging out in Mellow Mushroom a lot, and uh, found like the price per the the dollars that I would spend in Savannah would just go so much further. Uh, you know, I'd go hang out at Mellow Mushroom and two and a, two dollars uh, for happy hour drafts, so I could get Guinness for two dollars. And I started meeting a lot of people who are also my age and also like either investing or entrepreneurial, they're like tile guys or artists or freelance this, freelance that. So it was a, it was a really cool community to kind of get into. Um, Is it still like that? Is Mellow Mushroom like the place to hang? Used to be. So they, they got shut down because somebody didn't pay their taxes. Oops. Um, but uh, 
uh, the pooler chain, I think, is going to buy it again. And oh, wait a minute. One downtown got yep, shut down? Downtown. Mm-hmm. Yep. What? Yeah, yeah. This is like just before, it was like February 2020. They lost their liquor license. And like, you lose your liquor license downtown. It's just like, yeah. So, um, not to get too far off topic. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, crazy. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's supposed to be opening it back up again. So, yeah, hopefully. So, yeah, when it, when it does, yeah, fingers crossed. Hopefully, when it does, like, you'll see me down there. Uh, <laughs> I just got all the good memories there. Um, and, uh, and I've had a lot of good workers there, actually. And uh, a lot of people who taught me a lot of lessons and stuff. Um, so, yeah, so I'm doing that. And then right around Christmas time, I hear. Uh, Fan Merrill from uh, you know uh, Fortune Builders the, and uh, flip this house or whatever A and E and I was like, do you want to learn about flipping houses in Savannah or uh, like come join me in my free you know uh, two hour seminar and I was like yeah yes I'm like it's like I'm, I'm driving my truck and I just like slam on the brakes and uh, and I'm like and they're like take down this number so like, I immediately <laughs> called the number and I was like I want to learn how to flip houses and because uh, I'd already read a bunch of books but and I'd already done you know the the one in El Paso. Um, but I knew, like, especially, like, the Army taught me, like, he, like, anybody can do anything. It's just, like, do you have a teacher? Do you have, like, the people that are helping you learn that skill? You know, because you'll see these, like, little, tiny, you know, 98-pound females, and, like, they've got their jump wings, and, like, so they jumped out of airplanes with, like, 100 pounds of equipment on top of them, and, like, you're like, if they can do it, I can do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if this dude can, like, flip houses, and he's got a system, like, I'll follow the system. So some people hate on Fortune Builders because it does cost a lot of money, but... Whatever. Um, so I went to the um, uh, I went to the fir- the free thing. It was like two hours, and I was like, I'm hooked. I'm like, just sign me up. What you got? And they're like, you don't want to listen. I said, no, 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 I'm good. Just you know, and it was like a two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars for this three day weekend uh, over Fourth of July. Excuse me, uh, New Year's Eve. So New Year's Eve, um, do this three day thing, and they like kind of screen people to be like, hey, like, are you interested? Like, do you want to you know take this to the next level? Blah 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 blah. And so, like, the price for it was, like, it was, like, $30,000, $40,000, and then, like, sixty or something like that. And I had money in the bank for my deployment, so uh, the guy's, like, you know, are you interested? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, like, all right, well, you know, do these things and come back tomorrow. And I was, like, all right. So, did the things, basically, up your credit card limit. Um, and so, I was, like, yeah. And he goes, you know, hey, like, if you give us like $38,000 of your hard-earned money. Like, are your kids going to go, like, in need? And I was like, nah, dude. And shout out to Brian Zimmerman. And uh, he's also an ex-Marine. And uh, he goes, he goes, all right, you don't have, like, kids. Like, you're not going to get in super debt. I was like, yeah, dude, I got a full-time job in the Army. Like, I'm totally legit. Like, I don't got no kids. Like, I got no wife. Like, I'm good. And he's like, all right. So signed up. I was the only person to sign up for this, like, thing out of the whatever... 150 or something like that that showed up to this course or this class and uh so i get back to base you know holiday weekend's over and our boss is like hey you're gonna go to uh virginia for three months i was like no and he's like yeah you got training and i was like i'm getting out dude like i'm getting out like this is yeah 2015 so i was like i'm getting out in 18 months like i'm done i'm, I'm out of here and he's like no no you have to do this i was like okay so i go to virginia i'm an idiot the last time i was in virginia it was uh, uh, like 98 degrees, super humid. You know, it was the summertime. Right. And, you know, I'm dumb. I don't look at maps. And so I was like, oh, yeah, Virginia's in the south. Like, I've heard about the Civil War. Uh, <laughs> and so, so it's January. I packed, like, I, don't, I think I packed, like, two pairs of jeans, some hoodies, whatever else, and just, like, my Army stuff. And so I go up there. I get there. It's, like, 22 degrees. 
I was like, oh, I made a mistake. <laughs> it was like a pretty bad winter. We had like seven snow days during this like training situation. And like, which is unprecedented. And I'm just like, this blows. And so thankfully, because I was like stuck with nothing to do, uh, I really went through the Fortune Builders like back catalog on how to like learn how to flip houses, like their virtual stuff. I could say it's like an awesome YouTuber, but like better. Um, and then as soon as I, and of course, you know, I'm just getting more and more fed up with the army. Like every day I'm just like, this is so stupid. Like, why am I doing this? Um, and it just like made like the fire, the passion to like do more deals. It was just like, I got to get out of this stupid place. And um, I had said, I, I think it was there that I said, okay, cool. I've got like 18 months left. If I can make my army salary in the next 18 months, I will not re-enlist. Um, because at the time I'd already been promoted very well. Um, and my next re-enlistment would push me to 11 years and uh, when I got out, and if you do 20 years in the army, you get a pension and retirement, everything's good, except you got like three divorces, you know, a couple DUIs, and like you're broken. So I was like, mm. and so the, the equation goes, if you do more than 10, you might as well do 20 because you're already halfway there. And I was like, if I re-enlist, I will go all the way. I will do the full 20, and that's it. I mean, it would have been nice. I would have retired at 39, you know, had a full, probably 100% disability. Like, it, people do it, and, and they're fine. I would have had a bunch of houses all over the country, but whatever. Anyway, so, so yes, I got back from Virginia and got a new realtor, started hitting it harder. I uh, got my first house on a contract, I think, in May. Shout out to, to Hakeem Shabazz. Uh, he's still a wholesaler around here. Uh, he's awesome. He, he does a lot of good work. I've, I've, me and him have made a lot of money together. Um, and then, uh, see, I think I did my second one in I think January to something else, and I made all that money back in the first two deals, I made that $40,000 that I spent, like $38,000 or whatever and change, spent all that, or I made all that plus about $12,000 off that first two deals. So 50 Gs roughly on two deals, and then I, um, I had sold another house uh, right before I got out of the army. So in basically 18 months, I had made not only, I paid all my debts off with Fortune Builders, but then I had made my army salary and so I, I didn't feel bad about getting out. So, yeah. I guess that was, that was the end of that story. <laughs> so you bought your first deal while you were still in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I was a, I was a E3 in the Army. Okay, and what was the, like, the numbers, what was the breakdown on that first deal? Uh, yeah, so first deal here in Savannah or in El Paso? No, here, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, El Paso's yeah. done, right? So you, you come here, yeah. you're living here, you're stationed here, yeah. you invest there, and what are the breakdown and how long did it take you? 107 Montclair uh, Boulevard. Uh, on the south side, I bought it for 42000 and then I did a 50-50 split with my contractor at the time. Just don't do that. Um, and uh, so we, we bought it for forty-two. Um, gosh. I think we had 30 into it, roughly, so 72-ish. And then we sold it for one nineteen after the commission, after a little bit of a legal uh, uh, snafu. Um, so we assumed this guy's home equity line of credit and the wife that just divorced him worked at that bank. And uh, so when she found out, and so he owned the thing free and clear, when she found out that we assumed the home equity line of credit, she went to her boss, which is like totally a violation of everything, but it was like, hey, you know, these guys are you know, they stole my house from under our feet. And I was like, nah, you, you were living with your boyfriend over 
uh, over yonder, and right. like he just wanted to go to Florida and get the hell out of here, and wanted to just get some cash money and run. And so, uh, the bank president called me and was like, "Hey, look, like you're you get as long as you make payments, you're good. But if you trip up at any position, you're you're done." So this was like right as taxes were due, and we didn't pay the taxes because it was like I've always had a mortgage, so I didn't know that taxes. Uh, don't just come straight out of the mortgage, you have to pay it. And so, as soon as that happened, we were like 30 days delinquent on our taxes, then the in-house counsel for that bank served us that the note was due in full. And now we were under contract at the time to sell this thing. And so, but like, I think it was like a 45 day close. And I think our, our lawyer was like, yeah, they can, if they, they can execute this within 30 days. And I was like, so you're telling me that I've got $72,000 plus wrapped up in this thing and I suddenly have to pay $45,000, even though it's under contract. And my lawyer's like, yeah. And I talked to the bank president, he goes, I don't care. I'm, I'm a side of my employees. And I was like, and he goes, by the way, it's gonna be a nice house that I get. And I was like, okay. So I called everybody and I was like, hey, I need to, I need to borrow like $45,000. <laughs> and uh, ended up calling all these other people. And I've got an amazing investor. And uh, she was like, yeah. Because I was like desperate at this time. I was like, look, like, I've got a finished house. This is what's going on. Can you loan us the money for this small amount of time? She's like, yep, too easy, I got you. And uh, it's transactional lending, the new word. It's a, it's a life lesson right <laughs> It's there. gaining a lot of traction right now, yeah. transactional funding. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's what I used, uh, transactional funding at a very high rate of interest. Um, <laughs> and uh, But I mean, the house was finished, you know what I mean? Right, and it was, yeah. it was under contract for $119,000. It was phenomenal. Uh, it was a no-lose situation for her. Um, and uh, so, yes, I sold that, and then my... Uh, Wait, so you didn't make that much on that first one? No, no, I mean, we made $22,000, we split $22,000. Okay. So, yeah, but, uh, you know, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's you know right. what I mean? Like, like, I was hooked. I mean, in three months, I made $11,000. Are you kidding me? Dude, it's funny, me and Jerome were just talking about this a couple weeks ago on the show, and he's mm -hmm. like... He got. He said he spent like seven months on that first flip, mm -hmm. and he got like twenty two thousand dollars. And he's like, "That's it. Like I've made it." <laughs> <laughs> well, and like you know, that's how it feels that first time you get that big check. You yeah. Know what I mean, but like you realize like twenty two thousand dollars like doesn't go that far. No, but, no. Yeah. but like so, my first deployment, I came back to the United States with twenty seven thousand dollars in my pocket. So the fact that I made twenty two thousand dollars and I was still working my full time job, and so I did this like basically on the side, and I helped clean up like the last couple weekends. Like, cool. I was like, I can do this. If I actually put my efforts into this, and I mean, that's the hardest one. The hardest one is the first one. Right. I take that back. <laughs> <laughs> the hardest ones are the first ones, but yeah. it's, it's, it's hard for a lot of people to get into that first one. Yeah. So. They do get easier, right? Like, yeah. maybe not, it's not like a straight line easiness, right? Yeah. Maybe like it goes a little easier, then a little harder, then a little easier, but. Yeah. It definitely like, as you progress. Yeah. yeah, as you progress, like you get better. And so that's another thing that I want to say about your show is that like, you got so many smart people and like listen to their like trajectories. It's like so like smooth and nice. And I'm just like, man, like I, I maybe I'm too ambitious or maybe I'm doing something wrong. But like all my stuff is always going sideways. Like my first deal, like I, like the note was getting called literally days before we're closing. Like, how, like what? You said yours was easy. Like, yeah, flipping the house and picking out countertops and backflashes, that's easy. Find a tile guy, that's easy, you know? But like, yeah, uh, dealing with all these arcane things of like payable uh, on demand and y'all, like, oh, jeez, there's a lot of other things. So. so how many deals did you do before you got out of the army? Um, I think like three or four. Uh, I finished, like fully complete. Done. Done. And how long were they taking at that time? 
Um, it depended. Like, did you have like an average? No. So I was an idiot, and um, so I bought one. That, so that was an easy style ranch, and this was that fortunate process. Start off the ranch style house, very easy, can't mess it up. <laughs> and then, so the second one was, uh, what was my second one? I'm trying to think, I think it was another ranch. And then the, like you always remember the first ones, you know what I mean? But like the second, third, fourth, whatever. But, so the third and the fourth ones though, these I bought as a package deal from a wholesaler. Um, it's like CS2 group or something like that. Anyways, Chris something. Has like eight kids, a fantastic wholesaler, moved out to Atlanta, taught me a lot. Really, really cool guy. Um, shout out to that dude. Sorry, I thought I had to sneeze. Okay, sorry. And uh, so uh, he sold me these two houses on Duffy Street. Excuse me, I love Duffy Street. So 1110 and 1112 East Duffy Street, I bought for $35,000, East of Waters, 2015. So everyone's like, what east of waters no you're crazy and like you look at these houses and they're like haunted houses like they're bad yeah and so this is october of 2015 and so i bought one for 15 and the other for 20 as a package deal so thirty-five thousand dollars two houses both. for both okay 2200 square feet in one of them three bedroom two bathroom the other one's like 1900 square feet four bedroom two bathroom like nothing so first things first i cleaned out the worst one threw on the mls that's called a prehab, and so cleaned it out. Thank you, Justin Holscher, my business partner, uh, for helping me work on that one. We spent we spent like three days just cleaning out like hoarder stuff, <laughs> and uh, so I so that one, like I said, for uh, ten thousand dollars, and no, that one's fifteen. So we sold it on the MLS for twenty-seven thousand dollars cash, no contingencies, uh, no inspection period, et cetera, et cetera. Because I mean, you just don't see houses on the market for twenty-seven thousand dollars. Right. It just not not doesn't happen. Yeah. And so I was like, cool, great. So seventeen thousand dollars in my pocket. Let's throw it back on that next one next door. So she started working on hers. Um, when I started working on this one, so I've got you know twenty thousand dollars into that, but I've already made seventeen. So that goes to the rehab budget. My rehab budget on that one was ninety thousand dollars. So all in one hundred ten. Which a lot of people tell you don't do that. Which don't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if, if you don't have like an appetite for, hey, this is a big project and you're gonna spend a lot of time and effort in it. But I thought I could sit, sell it for like 150. And I was like, look, I'm not doing the work. I've got a contractor doing all the work. I've picked out the scope of work. I'm still working a full-time job. He needs to be working there, but I can drop in every week and we can, you know, based on the schedule of work, we have a schedule of payment uh, based on how much work gets done and we should be good to go. Um, shout out to, well, not shout out to that guy. He, he did, he made it really pretty. Um, three bedroom, two bathroom house, 2200 square foot, 1118, excuse me, 1110 East Duffy Street. Awesome house. Turned out beautiful. Um, the people that still live there uh, were actually still friends that I sold to them. They bought their house for, I sold it to them for $158,000. So that's a pretty good margin. Not, yeah. Not terrible. Not terrible. I mean, because now we're looking at like, I made like, I think it was all said and done, like 40 some thousand dollars after the two of those that okay. was my profit. Yeah, okay. So and I was making like sixty k. I was making like my base pay was like thirty six. So it's not even like not even. Yeah, in one deal basically one one deal I made my army salary, and of course it took a while to make it. Right. You know, and there's some headaches and stuff. Um, but yeah, I was I was pumped, and uh, so this is kind of the end of twenty fifteen. No, this is uh, gosh, I was uh, I sold that house like a day or two days after I got out of the military. So I got out of the military, I went to a closing, 
uh, they signed the next day, and then I bought another house that following day, a duplex. So I was hooked. I was super, super hooked. Like I was incredibly hooked on, on, on real estate, and I really like those big, old ones because um, they were just it was it was incredible. Uh, I grew up in a house in L.A. Uh, a ranch style, built in 1963, 1800 square feet, three bedrooms, two bathrooms. Um, you know, you can buy that house all day long on the south side for like $200,000. But because it's in Los Angeles, it's worth like, right now it's probably worth about $700,000. Not even renovated, I mean, my parents just did their bathroom, but like, you know, it's just kind of dated. Like they did their kitchen in 2005 and like it would sell like that tomorrow for $700,000. How much did your parents buy their house for, do you know? 188. Back in 1980. Yep. So they're like low-key real estate investors. Like, yeah, but... You I know, mean, they're about to... Like, like, they got mad equity right now. They got mad equity. So... That's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. off topic, but... Uh, no, but it goes into... So, and, and that's... So talking about like real estate, like what can real estate do? Real estate has allowed me in 30 years... Well, 31 years, almost 32. Uh, in 30 years to become a millionaire. And then, like, my parents, like, we've... You, we've devised a strategy to basically use their equity to fund more of their retirement stuff. And that's, you know, and it took them years to even believe what I was doing was real. Um, but, you know, uh, for my 30th birthday, like I flew them and a bunch of other people out to uh, Milwaukee, you know, because Wisconsin's the 30th state and I was turning 30, so it seemed like a good idea at the time. Wait, really? That's what you, that was your rush? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were just drinking on a porch and, and I was like, what am I going to do for my 30th birthday? And, and uh, my friend goes, oh, why not do it at the 30th state? I was like, yes, yeah, do it at the 30th state. Didn't even think about it for like, we just drank on, you know, whatever. We just like, conversation moved on. The next day I was like, what's the 30th state? <laughs> Google, what's the 30th state? Oh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin? Right, it's beautiful around the summer, though. I, I mean, you can't be in the summer. Yeah, well, May in Milwaukee is pretty cold. Um, oh, you went in May? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it was like, there was a couple nice days, but like it like it was chilly. Uh, but yeah, oh my God, cheese fairs? Oof, funny. I, I know <laughs> I got those were. But, uh, but yeah, so, so, um, so yeah, so real estate has allowed me to become a millionaire, um, give some nice stuff to my parents, and then also create a future for them as well using their home equity that they've leveraged and, you know, are buying stuff in Savannah. So, um, that's awesome. Yeah. So, second deal, you make forty thousand, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, what was the transition then, kind of getting out of the army? Like, so you knew you wanted to retire because you wanted to go all in on real estate. Yep. Um, what did it look like once you got out? Like, how many houses were you doing when you got out? So, I had five houses that I owned at the time when I got out of the military. Open projects. Uh, yeah, so there's like one that was closing, one that was under contract, and then three projects that were going on. Okay. Uh, which is aggressive. It's uh, aggressive, yeah. And uh, nothing wrong with being aggressive, but just, you know, understand, you might get hurt. You know? And you're doing the work yourself? Uh, not at the time. Okay. But I was doing some work because I suddenly had a lot more free time. And so instead of paying my landscaper a thousand bucks to go get rock and distribute it in a driveway, I just called around the local rock suppliers and was like, hey, I've got a truck. Can I, like, do you guys sell scoops of rock? They're like, oh yeah, come on down. Well, you know, four trips later, I go, hey, you've made a lot of trips. Do you want us to deliver next time? <laughs> I thought about that. All right, cool. Um, so you know, there's, there's a saying, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, well, I was in the army, it was just like, hey, like, you need to be like persistent. And it's like, what do you mean? Like, brick wall persistent. Like, where you have a brick wall, you need to go over around it, you know, under it, 
And if none of those are options, you need to beat your head with it and break those bricks with your head. And I was just like, that's what it's, I just that's go. Like, you just do. Like, yeah. if that's what you want, you want to get a bunch of houses, you want to retire, and you want to have you know all the passive income, like, you got to work for it, you know? I mean, that's one way to put it. I've never heard that before. You know, that, and also, like, if you, if you work 40 hours a week, you know, at a regular job, and then you retire in, you know, 60 years or 40 years, well, now, if you work 100-hour work weeks or 120-hour work weeks, well, then you can retire three times faster. See what I'm saying? It's, it's all algebra, you know? Not hard algebra, just, like, this variable, this variable, you know, changing around, good to go. So if you're working three times harder and making three times much more, more money, you know, you can have three times much more consumption, you know, the BMW, the Mercedes, the big house, or you can just push that into retirement accounts or real estate investments or other things like that, and then and then go forward from there. So being financially responsible uh, to supercharge your uh, gains, I think, is, is hyper important. Uh, it's been a kind of a motto for a while until like, you know, 2019, 20, well, until about 2020 when I was just like, ah, you know, 2020 global pandemic, you know, might as well eat out a bunch and drink too much and, you know, <laughs> enjoy steaks from uh, Whole Foods. So. These things are going down really easy. Actually, so I you need wanna, to, uh, let's, you want to refill? I need, I need a refill. Yeah, let's do a refill. All right, all right, all right, all right. So yeah, so I don't know, what were we talking about? Um, well, I don't remember where we were, but I know, um, so yesterday we kind of got into it a little bit, but like you have like a pretty cool story about like towards your end of the, end of your time in the army. Uh, yeah, my old boss. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, my old boss, he was a real piece of work. And, um, you asked me, you said, hey, you know, why didn't you stay in the army? Like, it seems like a good, you know, thing. And, and, you know, Mike was in for 10 years. And, um, you know, like, Mike was an officer and a helicopter pilot. And that's what, everything what I joined to do is become a helicopter pilot. And I didn't do it. So, oops. And, um, so, uh, on the enlisted side, um, the, my bosses were, you know, Divorced a couple times, like I said, DYs, like just like they'd already, already been overseas a bunch of times, and you know I'd get to work at like six fifteen and park next to them, and they're just like they have their head like against their steering wheel, just like I hate my life, I hate my life. <laughs> you know they had a really nice truck, but it's just like you know um, it was just not good, you know. Like their truck was their safe space, you know, between work and, and home because home was bad and so was work, and just it, it, it didn't seem like a smart way to to live. I, I just knew there was something better out there. Um, not knocking the service and like I said, you know, hey, I fully support all the armed services and you know, if I have kids, you know, I'm gonna be like, hey, I think it's probably a great idea. It really, it changed my life and, it, and I wouldn't be here without the army. So, you know, I'm not knocking that at all. I'm just saying there's some, you know, there's some issues with it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I was doing very well. Um, for those who are veterans, you know, I made E6 and like five and a piece. So like five years and a half, which is, I was moving. Um, uh, PT stud knocking stuff out, always got great performance reviews, and um, uh, so there was a big push for me to get re-enlisted. Like, hey, he's, he's a stud, you need to keep him. Uh, re-enlist is to basically sign up for another contract. And uh, so, like I said, uh, you know, in the Army full-time, I would meet contractors out on my lunch break, you know, I'd go check out houses, you know, after work, um, and I had a closing for this property uh, on my lunch break. And so I had the closing check in my pocket. And not all of it was profit, don't get me wrong. But like, so I literally had like $44,000 in my pocket. It was a check, sent out to my own company. And my boss, who I really didn't like at the time, because I was in the orderly room, they punished me by putting me in an office job when I'm not an office person. And so it was like a slow day. So he calls me and goes, bro, I'm not, get in here. And I was like, oh. 
So I walk in the office like, hey, first sergeant, how can I help you? And he's just like, why aren't you re-enlisting? Close, close the door. Why aren't you re-enlisting? I was like, you know, I just, I told you, if you double my pay, I'll be more than happy to re-enlist. And he's like, come on, you know I can't do that. Blah, 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 you're a good soldier. Like, we can really use you. And da, 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 And of course, this dude's like, call me all sorts of names. Tell me all, like, I'm terrible at work this. <laughs> but apparently I'm a good soldier. And, you know, he needs to make re-enlistment things. So whatever. And, and, uh. You know, I was like, well, you know, I've got this house flipping thing, I'm doing pretty well. And I was like, what do you mean you're doing well? Like, what, you got, like, a check for your army salary in your pocket? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. And he goes, well, and I was like, permission to speak freely? And he's like, yeah. And I f pull out, like, you know, I got big card shorts. I got this big old check for $44,000 in my pocket. I was like, <laughs> I was like, here it is, $44,000. Here's, here's a check for $44,000. You see that? And he's like, oh my God, this isn't real. <laughs> and I was like, take a look at it. And like, you know, kind of chuck it at him. And he's just like, yeah, this is my army salary. Like, you know, I'm just like, yeah. Sorry. I'm super so excited, you know. I messed up all the audio. Levels. I was so excited. I just throw it in his face. And, and I was like, yeah, man, I'm doing real estate. And he was just like shocked. This dude's got six kids, you know, 38 years old, uh, bald. He's probably been on at this time, six or seven deployments, uh, you know, was was live was working the American dream, you know, show up to work, have you know everything's taken care of, da da da, and like to have this guy who he didn't like me, uh, but he knew my worth, and then to throw it in his face, I was gonna get out of the army, and I was actually doing something for myself, like that really pissed him off, and uh, and so yeah, so I grabbed my check and I walked out of there and. Well, you got out of the army. <laughs> so, <laughs> I didn't lay animosity to him, but you know, whatever. He tried to have me on Facebook, and I was like, nah, dude. I was just actually going to ask if he was on your Facebook. Uh, so anyway, you had done four deals in 18 months, yeah. and you had five ongoing when you left. Yep. So then, like, what was the ramp-up process like? Did you get out? Were you, like, killing it, or was it like... Yeah, yeah, I was killing it, man. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, like I said, I was uh, house rich cash poor. And so I didn't realize how much, and by the way, for uh, uh, real estate investors, I think you should really take an accounting class, um, get some basics on all this stuff, and track those things. Uh, I had a, an amazing sister who did a lot of that for me, um, but the first couple of deals, like I had no idea what I was doing. I just had all the receipts in a folder and was just like taking my like regular 1040 deduction on all this stuff. So like I paid a bunch of money in taxes and like I finally got an actual accountant in like 2016. And the dude's like, can I see your taxes? I said, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and he's like, wait a second. You've got all this real estate stuff. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, well you didn't deduct anything. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I get a W-2 from the Army. And he's like, you're an idiot. And I was like, no. I, Thanks, I, I, I'm not. I was like, I'm glad we're on the same page. This is why I'm here. <laughs> but he goes, uh, uh, he goes, yeah, so uh, let me amend these things. And, uh, and and we'll get you some money back. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, you know, we're, you know, we're just this is the first meeting of him. And uh, I was like, well, you mean amend my tax returns? Like, you know, I, I did them. I, I'm good. And he goes, no, 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 no. I, I was, I was, I was like, okay. Well, how much is it gonna cost you? He's like, yeah, five hundred. I said, well, why do we need to amend him? He goes, yeah, I'm gonna get you like thirty five hundred bucks back. Just, just glancing over this. And I was like, so I pay you five hundred dollars and give me like thirty five hundred dollars. He goes, yeah. And I was like, cool. Call me an idiot all day long. I'll tell you that, No brainer. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so that's why, like, you know, I listen to some of these other people on your podcast and they're like, yeah, they're like, these are like, like, oh, yeah, so I got an accountant and I got this person and that. I'm like, man, I didn't do any of those things. Maybe I just didn't pay attention in high school or college or fortune bonus classes, but get an accountant at some point. 
early um, on. Early on, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna overpay a little bit early on, but then it's gonna be way worth it later on. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So uh. So, and, and also I was getting really tired of the army. I'm living in Savannah, and like I knew I I, I was kind of relying on my army paycheck to cover any like cash flow issues. So I wanted to have like another job. So I ended up bar backing, um, on the side while I was still like just like like uh, the last month or so I was in the army. I started bar backing because I lived with a bunch of or a bunch of my neighbors were restaurant people, and uh, we used to hang out at Top Deck. And they're like, we're like we're hurting for workers. We're hurting for bar backs. And I was like, wait a second. I can go to the bar that I go to all the time. About at the time, this is like 2015, 2016, like Top Deck was the rooftop bar to be at, at in Savannah. It was that or Rocks on the Roof. That was it. There was a line out the elevator door, almost to Bay Street, every single Saturday night. It's where the hottest girls went. Like, if you want to go do your thing, like that's where you need to go. Um, so I was like, you think I can get a job there? And my name was like, yeah, sure. I just wanted to do something like manual labor because at the time, you know, these things early room. I ended up like at the top my last like three months in, ended up having to watch like seventy two soldiers for like almost a month with no issues, by the way. But seventy two soldiers is a lot of people to manage, and so I just wanted to like let me go do what I wanted to do in the army, which is shoot guns out of helicopters, manual labor, and just like have someone tell me what to do. So. Two out of three ain't bad. I couldn't shoot guns out of helicopters, but I would just lift heavy stuff, and somebody would tell me what to do. And <laughs> the the other perk is, you know, hey, you're you know, you get to go drink for free. So uh, I get a job at Top Deck and have a great time. I'm literally, and this is such a weird dichotomy, but like at one point I was teaching a sharp class, so like a sexual harassment and rape prevention class, and like telling soldiers like, hey, you know, unwanted touching is, you know. Uh, assault, no, no. like, you know, like, hey, like, catcalling is harassment, like, yeah. don't do that either, like, if she says no, it's no, if the, if he says no, it's still no, like, even if your best buddies, if he says no, don't do it, and uh, so then I'd go to work, and then there'd be girls who'd be like, oh my god, we want to, I don't know if I can say it, but, you know, a, a, a sexual innuendo uh, shot, and I was just like, that's against, that's sexual harassment. But I'll, I'll give you yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll give you shots, and you're gonna pay for me. So it's just like this fun little dichotomy of like I'm super responsible at work, and then I go to this other place, and I just completely, you know, f off. And it was great. I got paid in cash. It was it was awesome. Um, Which was solving your problem of house. Yes. Yeah, so I was rich right, cash poor. Yeah. So I was broke as a joke because I had all these all these houses, and I was suddenly realizing like looking at my cash flow kind of projections, and I was like. I needed that like four G's plus that was getting out of the army every single month. Uh, so that that helped, um, and then I also met a lot of people there that also helped me out. And it, being able to it, it helped me assimilate from army to civilian um, in the fact that like my boss only assigned says, "Hey, you're yelling at people," and I was like, oh, "I'm not yelling at people." Like. Like, I could yell at people, but I've, I've been at work. Like, I haven't been yelling at people at all. You know, I'd walk into the hangar, and I'd be like, you have my ride. You need to go do this. Why is my hangar dirty? And, you know, you need to mop this. And, like, it was, it would echo in the hangar. It was beautiful. And, you know, I'm at a bar, and I'm just all like, hey, you need to get ice. And people were like, oh, my God, he's, he's yelling at me. And it's like, oh, my two is what you consider yelling. Oh, I need to, I need to change. I need to change my, my way that I talk to people. All right. Things. Um, so that helped. Um, 
But yeah, so I thought I was a rock star, I got out of the army, I made all this money, and I put it all back into the business, and I didn't have any money to pay bills. So that helped a lot, and uh, I was able to go, you know, out, out of the town for very cheap, um, and then I was also able to supplement my income with that, and then when I would sell houses, I would get big paychecks. And then me being an idiot, instead of like putting some of it aside, uh, I would just buy the next bigger house. Like, okay, cool, like I bought this one for, you know, 50, uh, you know, I put 50 into it, and I made 150, so let's see, I can probably take that, 20%, I can borrow, uh, you know, or you know, half of that, and then I can borrow another 8%, and then, you know, and, and of course I started getting into hard money at this time, so it's like, you just need to get up 20%, and we'll do 100% of the rehab. So, uh, I had some uh, 1118 East Duffy Street, phenomenal property, and I bought it, I put like very little of my own money down, I borrowed it, I think I bought it for 50, we put in almost 150, so all in about 200, and it sold for 298. And this was two houses down two years later of the other one that I sold. So in a span of two years, I had doubled the value of that block. And like, when you do that, like people are like, oh, and like I saw, that's another way I was like, I've, I've got a huge change of this neighborhood, you know? Because this person that I had sold a house to two years earlier suddenly had $150,000 of equity. And it was like, oh, that's, that's real. A friend of mine who lives on Duffy did a cash out refinance and like started a restaurant with it, you know? And it's doing very well because of the things that we've done. I'm like, when your friends pay you money, feels pretty good. They're pretty good friends. Uh, what's so, Grant Cardone say? The easiest way to get people to root for you is to put money in their pocket. Yeah, there's a difference of like paying them off though versus like yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. if it's a if it's a net effect of like what you're doing, then it's awesome. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, sorry I got sidetracked on that part. Um, yeah, so I was, I was broke as a joke, cash poor, uh, worked at the bar. Meeting a bunch, bunch of people, and uh, I had a contractor that was doing like two of my houses, and then I had a small one that I was kind of doing myself. Um, and this dude came in, uh, like all shaky and weird, and like I knew we were kind of like behind schedule a little bit, but I was like, this is really weird. So, hey man, let's talk, whatever else. And uh, I had to go through one of the properties, and um, he wasn't there yet, and I'm kind of just checking everything out. There's kitchen cupboards, so I open the kitchen cupboards, and there's like a black bag. It's like, hmm. I was like, uh, like a black plastic bag, like from a liquor store. And I was like, hmm. And like, I was like, wonder what's in here. Maybe the drywall guys left some Corona or something like that. And I'm like, oh, that's cold. I was like, there's cold beers in the kitchen cabinets. Like that means they're put there. You know, this is May in Savannah, so like, it's been there for the last like hour. It's right. Like, so this guy comes up and my general contractor at the time is shaking like crazy, like. And I was like, you all right, man? And he's like, oh, yeah. I was like, why are we behind schedule? Oh, you know, we're good, we're good. And uh, I was like, hey, do you know anything about, like, this six-pack? He goes, oh, it's mine. Oh, I was like, I'll love it for it. And I was like, oh. I was like, hey, man, why don't you go home, and we'll, we'll talk about it, you know, the next day. Long story short, I get a call, uh, not even, like, an hour later uh, from the electrician, like, hey, man, like, have you talked to the GC? Uh, I haven't got paid yet. I said, I've paid him like $8,000 to pay you. And I called him back. The GC didn't respond. And I was just like, cool. I was like, hey man, we're gonna get this voicemail, like you're fired. And by the way, like I'm coming after you. 
I didn't actually come after him. Um, Was there anything you think you could have done to avoid that? Um, like, is there a lesson that you learned about, like, scoping out contractors in the future? Or was, or do you think that kind of some of it is just you have to just figure it out? I think that you have to figure it out. So, like, you should definitely vet. And because, like, I had another contractor, and so I was like, oh, dude, this dude fell off the wagon. Like, people fall off the wagon all the time. And, like, especially, like, self-employed people or contracting or residential real, real uh, reconstruction, like, all those things are very, like, hard and difficult. Um, and it attracts a certain type of people who are usually risk takers um, and don't like working for other people and, you know, are getting, you know, are getting into it for, you know, the large amounts of money that you can make uh, through your labor, which is not bad. Like, it's a not, it's, it's an honest profession. Don't get me wrong. But it attracts a lot of shady people. Um, so uh, definitely learn the lesson between licensed and insured. Uh, you know, I've had people like, I'm like, oh, hey, are you licensed and insured? They're like, oh, yeah, I'm licensed. Of course, you know, I'm pull out the driver's license. Like, I don't know. You're licensed to drive a car, not a general contractor license. Uh, and you can check anything uh, through the Georgia um, uh, State Legislature. Or it's like the Secretary of State Board of Legislature. Is that what it is? I can post the link, actually. Yeah, post yeah, the link. Yeah. So, and so, like, if your hairdresser is licensed, all those stuff. And you can, you can do that. So when you, when you look at that, you know, you can just put their name in and see if they're licensed or not. So that's a big red flag. So this guy wasn't licensed. That being said, this other guy that I hired before that, that I also fired... He was licensed, but his license got suspended, and he actually spent 52 months in jail. Whoa. What was right? I didn't know that, but he was rebuilding himself after jail, so good on him. <laughs> um, so, and, and that basically... What do you have to do as a contractor to get 52 months in jail? Okay, do you want to know the story? Uh, sure, let's be vague, but yeah, I want to know the story. Uh, so he had a business for 13 years that never pulled a profit, and then he was in collusion with some local banks, um, and then were billing the city... Um, for a bunch of stuff that really didn't get done. Yeah. Building the city. Yep. And actually, yeah. And like, it doesn't take too many steps to know who I'm talking about. So I got it's you. crazy. <laughs> um, That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. The dude's running around right now. He's got a, he's got a great kitchen and uh, bathroom remodeling business right now. <laughs> anyway. anyway. Um, so yeah. So then I got another contractor. This is the third one who's, well, I think it was the third. He was the third main one. Phenomenal guy. Um, ended up working with him for, for almost three years. He made me a millionaire. Um, and he's great. One of the big things is, it's like, if you're looking for contractors, uh, 6 a.m. at Home Depot. Um, are they returning their phone calls? Um, you know, they seem pretty, you know, good. And then, you know, every, every area has its vice. So Savannah's drenched in alcohol. So I found a guy who was sober. And he had, you know, because uh, that's, that's a question that I asked now. I was like, hey, are you sober? And if they say, oh, well, I have a couple of beers, like, all right, cool, like, that's fine. But, like, I want to, you know, I want to know a response, you know. I think it's a big plus if you're sober and you're in contracting. It, it just, I think, it, I think it's a much better thing. Um, so, uh, so this other guy, though, so as you, the question is, you know, is this something that you filter for or that you can filter through? So this, this, the third contractor that I hired and we worked with for over three plus years, we did probably uh, almost 10, deal, 10 deals together. Uh, he taught me so much about construction. He taught me about running a crew. Uh, he taught me, like I took his business from three people to like almost, I think eight. Um, helped with his marketing. Um, helped with some of his flips as well because he was flipping on the side. I'm like, look dude, like I can't control you. Like. You have your stuff. Just make sure that my stuff gets done on my deadline. I don't mind if you go. If you want to work 120 hours a week, that's fine. But give me my 40, and and you can do the rest on your side. Uh, and I thought me and him were going to partner up later on, um, and kind of just like he was running that side of the business, 
I'd have a product management company run my rentals, and then I would be able to go snowboarding for a year. But it didn't know, you know, life doesn't work out that way. <laughs> um, and so even he did, he fell off uh, the wagon, whether it's the greed wagon or the my boss is an idiot wagon. I can do better myself, um, or you know, I've leveraged myself out of control and I don't have the money to do it. Any any of those things are are applicable. Um, so really, the big thing is is. There's going to be people, any contractor, 1099 workers, it will work for you for a while, for a little bit, but it's a trust but verify system and understand that there's always going to be a time limit um, on those people and those things. And you can either build systems and a culture to increase their, um, align their interests with your interests so that everyone's on board, uh, or you can just not worry about it or not understand or just be young and naive and there's going to be people that are going to take advantage of you. Um, I, I mean, when we talk about being aggressive, like moving into some of these things to borrow millions of dollars in rehab costs and to manage all these things, you know, under 30 years of age is like super arrogant and super like aggressive and very naive. That being said is like you expose your flanks very, very hard. But if you look at any of the best warfare, anything, you always expose your flanks. If you excuse me, you can expose your flanks. And if you were if you were at the tip of the spear and you were moving forward extremely fast, like the Blitzkrieg, like their 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 flanks were completely exposed. But they were so quick to overwhelm the enemy that it, it just the momentum just keeps going. Um, and if you do that same thing in business, and I, I I'm not saying like don't stop for the fundamentals because those are hyper important. You know, are you getting all the deals? Are you getting the deals at the right price? Because I was able to make a lot of mistakes because I got into the properties that I wanted at the right price. So if I had something, you know, I've only lost money on one deal and I was, a, I was an idiot. Um, and I didn't stick to the fundamentals. Can you break that one down? Yeah, we can. Okay. Give me, give me a minute yeah. like, yeah, yeah. To, to understand that, that you need to get these things in the right price. So, you know, if you're looking for a 20% margin, you need, you need to uh, lock in a 30% profit, you know, uh, projection so that if there's anything goes sideways you get that 20% and I don't really do anything below 20% unless it's like a nice easy ranch style home everything else especially the big Victorians these other things like that like if I'm, if I'm gonna sit nine months six to nine months on a property I want 35 to 40% profit margins period like because if something goes sideways you need to absorb those costs um, and and that's that's the way I was able to bounce back from so many like lessons but the more aggressive you are by hiring the right people, by learning a lot, um, and ex like seeing those lessons that you're, you're learning or exposing yourselves to experiences that you can learn lessons from, whether they are good or bad, is the important push. And, and guess what? Ain't nobody getting shot at anymore. You know, in, 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 well, I mean, in Savannah, people are getting shot at. But like, I'm not getting shot at anymore. Nothing's worth dying for over here. I get to go home and take a hot shower. Like, this is life's easy mode right now. Like, oh, if I lose money, so uh, I go get a job. Guess what? I could, I could do that. If I need to go back bartend for a little bit, I can do that. If I want to go fix helicopters overseas, I could do that. Not a big deal. If you fail in this business, like, there's no, you're not going to lose a limb, you know? You're not going to, like, you know, there, there's so, it's such a, people are really scared of taking risks. Um, and it's really not that risky. The fact that, like, yeah, I'm in a couple lawsuits, like, yeah, I've got some friends that were awesome, and then, like, we're not friends anymore. Yeah, it sucks, but, like, so I can go home, you know, I can put my dog, 
you know, I've got some other really good friends that like, we don't do business anymore. Like I got a business partner that, uh, he, he, we we're going to work together. And, uh, he found out that he didn't like to work construction in the Savannah summer, which it's a hard job. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's actually, we found that out. But you know what, you know what I found out? He's damn good at making money. He's damn good at lending money. <laughs> and so he doesn't touch my jobs, but you know what we do? We drink all the checks that those jobs make. So yeah. Um, what was the question you wanted to ask? <laughs> well, I wasn't sure. Like, I did like where you were going with that, though, which is just like, even though it seems terrible, like it's really not that bad, and you always can go do something else. Like, one of the most important parts is just starting, right? Taking yeah. the risk mm -hmm. and just going out and. I'm not saying you should go and quit your job tomorrow. Right? Oh, you yeah. should definitely try to keep your nine to five for as long as possible because, like you said, becoming house rich and cash poor is sucks. Huge problem when you're first starting out. Yeah, like so if you can keep that nine to five for as long as you possibly can, definitely do it. But just getting started, getting started on your first investment, putting yourself out there, it looks really scary, but like it's not sir it's not serving a tour in Afghanistan. It's not, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and the thing is, like, so, and, 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 and there's no shame, and this is, like, what I, I'm learning now is, as I'm slowing down, because I had, like, 13 properties going on at one time in 2020, uh, basically for the entire thing, and, um, you know, there were, there were about five, and so, like, I was, I wanted to be, not, like, Bezos, you know, rich, but I wanted to be, like, rich, like, rich, rich, you know, but I was working, like, 100 plus hour work weeks, it's miserable, um, and you can only do that for so long, it's unsustainable, so, there's nothing wrong with working a nine to five and flipping a house a year, or even just picking up a rental or two a year. And then guess what? In 10 or 15 years, you're like, oh, hey, I'm not worried about, you know, the new merger of this company and my company, and I'm gonna get phased out because I've got, you know, $5,000 a month coming in off my five rentals in Savannah. I'm like, okay, it's not bad. And there's, there's no shame in that. But like, nobody taught me about that. I was always, you know, I was very competitive. You know, and so, you know, honestly, what I tell people all the time, especially in the Army, because, you know, I'm in a couple, like, uh, real estate investment groups for, for active in the military and a couple other things, um, and, and people say, you know, do you regret anything, or, or would you do anything differently? So, yeah, I would have re-enlisted for another three years, <laughs> and I would have bought four more rental properties and paid them all off by the time I got out, and then I would have had $4,000 a month coming in off my Amherst salary. But, like, I was 26 or 27 when I got out, 26 when I got out. So like I was just I mean they say the brain doesn't fully develop until twenty five until you're twenty five like I'm twenty six like and I'm a special person like I joined the army in a time of war like I'm special and so like you know that's what I should have done and that's you know what I recommend a lot of people just like hey get a nice rental base and then quit your job you know yeah I agree like speed is great but be smart yeah 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 and I mean and, and, and speed is good and if you're smart and you're dedicated that's what you want to do like hell yeah you're gonna go ham like. I got some I got some buddies in Philly that are like killing it. They're I met them and they were like 21, 22. I was like 24. Fortune Builders event and like man, they are they're so motivating to me. They're like three years younger than me. They're probably I mean they're worth a lot. I mean, they're putting down like over a million dollars of properties under contract every single month, and uh, they just got that grind mode, you know. Um, but I'm just like, man, I grind-motored in Afghanistan. I grind-motored in, you know, Egypt. Like, I'm good. Like, let me chill out a little bit, you know? So, uh, so yeah. But um, you, you wanted to ask me about the, the deal that uh, I, I lost money on. Yeah, definitely. I think the, you know, there's, uh, the growth comes in pain, 
right? Yeah. In times of trial. So uh, definitely, I would love to hear about like, so you lost money on one deal, like what yeah. happened with that? And yeah. What did you learn? Uh, so I'm a, I'm a sucker for people. Like I'm, I'm too nice. And some people are like, oh, you know, Curtis is a dick or this and that. Like, <laughs> that's, that's the hard outer shell. Like I got a, like a nice, you know, soft interior. And um, one of the things that gets me is, you know, uh, like females. So, and I'm not talking about like, oh, like womanize or whatever else. Like, like, no, like I just feel like I worked a lot better with, you know, uh, females. So like I've got a, uh, female, whatever term, like that's just an army thing, whatever. Um, so I've got like my lawyer, you know, it was Liz Thompson. She's great. Uh, I actually highly, com- highly recommended. Um, you know, use Chandy Hutman. I use, you know, Chelsea Phillips. Um, you know, April Levin's also my real estate agent. Um, you know, I've got, you know, female interior designers. Um, Carl is great. Um, we've got, uh, my assistant used to be, well, my assistant was great. My old bookkeeper, well, actually my bookkeepers, both of them have been females. Like I just, I seem to work better with them. Uh, better chemistry. And so I had this real estate agent who was just like a little bit older and like Southern charm and just like super nice and was like trying to get my business. And I was just like, well, uh, you know, let me know, blah, blah, blah. So she sent me like, she, she, like her area is like Artsy Park. And for people who don't know, Artsy Park is like kind of the nicer studio part of town. Uh, Savannah, you know, was very rich. They got poor. So Artsy Park never got poor. Um, so like all these 20s and 30s, like beautiful brick homes that are just ridiculous. Still ridiculous. Still, yeah. We'll be ridiculous forever. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're awesome. Uh, but different neighborhood, different, different vibe, all sorts of stuff. So she's big in there and then she gets me in this place off market, uh, pre-listing, and I think I bought it for like 200. I should have bought it for like 170 or 150. And um, so bought it and talked to, had the walkthrough with all my contractors, like, hey, this is the skip of work. Look, this is what I'm looking to spend. How are we doing? Blah, blah, blah. Everyone's like, yep, yeah, we could do this. My electrician's like, yep, yeah, I can just do the panel. We should be good with everything else. Uh, contractors are like, yep, yeah, looks like we paint, patch where the electrician messes around with. Should be good to go? I said, all right, great. Um, and talked to my plumber and he's all like, yeah, I think we can do what we need to do. We don't have to upgrade the whole system. I said, perfect. So it was a 3-2, uh, main house, carriage house in the back, um, bought it for 200. I think we we're supposed to put in like um, about 100 and then sell for four and a quarter. Okay, a little aggressive. Um, I don't think, I mean, that ARV was, wasn't really supportive, but whatever. Uh, once again, I just really like the house. I wanted to flip the house in Ardsley. Uh, and I wanted to get to that $400,000 price point. Right. Um, because I just, you know, I, I'd done houses that I'd sold for $27,000, you know, all the way up to, you know, at the time about 400 or so. And I was, or excuse me, like 398 And I was, or excuse me, three, 300 And then I wanted to go to that. I wanted to break that 400000 mark. It was just a personal thing. Uh, I don't want emotions getting, getting right back. <laughs> but I love the house. That was great. Anyway, so uh, get some hard money, uh, invest some other stuff, and get this deal together. And then uh, halfway through demo, my electrician goes, oh, I made a mistake. we got to redo the entire house. It's like, bro, it goes from $2,000 to 8500 That's a pretty big mistake. That's a big mistake. Yeah. yeah. So I wasn't very happy with him. Um, and then, you know, but it's all plaster walls. And so you got to do some cutting. So it's not just $8,000 for electrical, but now it's, you know, an extra $4,000 for drywall and plaster repair, all sorts of stuff. Um, and then the plumbing, we get done with basically everything, and we find out we've got a giant leak. 
from the upstairs bathroom and it ruined the ceiling of the finished bathroom downstairs. And so then we had to cut out like all this other extra stuff and it was just like, what, like how do we not know this? And my plumber's like, well, you know, you just wanted to save money and you didn't tell me that you wanted everything redone. And I said, no, 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 I asked you what needed to be done. And so oh, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. I was like, well, all these other things are messed up. Like you couldn't even, like you shouldn't have said, hey, this is an old house. You should probably, you know, on my professional opinion, you should probably redo all this stuff, you know? <laughs> so anyways, so, uh, so I blew the budget on plumbing, blew the budget on um, electrical, blew the budget on uh, repairing the holes in the wall that the uh, electrician did. And then there's like a back sunroom that had a bunch of paneling and everything. And when we started to like repair it, we found there's like a ton of rot. And we ended up spending like almost four weeks in the back of this thing, just like shoring up the house and like we'd get everything like ready and then something else would move and it's just like, oh no, we have to go back under here. Like, this is ridiculous. Um, so yeah, so that one wasn't fun. Uh, but all said and done, uh, our sale price was like 389 on 48th Street. And of course it's Artsy Park. So Artsy Park, for those people who don't know, just like a bunch of people with too much money and too much time in their hands. And so like we put a dumpster out front and like, like this house is was ugly and put a dumpster out front and the neighbor very nice house comes out and goes hey hey it's illegal to put a dumpster out on the, on the street I said, I said sir uh hi I'm Curtis how's it going and he's like it's illegal to put a dumpster out and I said, whoa okay well anyways uh, we got a permit for it and uh, so uh, you, by all means call city but you know we're, we're doing everything right we got permits we got this and that you know my name's Curtis blah blah I'm your new neighbor for you know, six or nine months until we get this thing done. And it's like, six or nine months? I said, yeah. He goes, you mean I have to listen to construction for six or nine months? Uh, we're making your house, your, your, the, the view, because he's a dreadful country, the view that you're looking at is going to be beautiful. As much as we're appreciating your house. Doesn't matter. Yeah. So, so yeah, so uh, I don't play in that part too much anymore. Um, unless it's an amazing, amazing deal, I really don't play. It's not my, not my type. Um, I enjoy making the hood good. Um, <laughs> and uh, the neighbors are a lot more accommodating. Like, when the cops come, I get a phone call like, hey, there's cops at the house. I'm like, ah, oh, thanks, appreciate it. We're, we're good. Is anything broken or stolen? Nah, nah. Working. All right, cool. So, anyways, um, so yeah, so that that, that house, uh, I ended up, uh, I ended up uh, losing about twelve thousand dollars on that one. So, and I spent, yeah, I mean, almost. Uh, let's see, sold for three ninety eight. Uh, I think I had like three forty plus into it. So, once those once those like ARVs go up, the realtor commissions really go up. Yeah, you know, because I think I think my realtor made like eighteen k. I know my contractor made a bunch of money. It runs and, away. And you don't was, realize it. Yeah. Which is not like it's not earned. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But it does like, you forget that it like fluctuates. Yeah. Know? I mean, it's easy to forget anyway. Well, and, that, and that's the thing though, is that like, you know, I paid $12,000. Like the way that I look at it now is like I paid $12,000 for like a hell of a learning experience, you know? And uh, the people that I've sold it to, God, they were lawyers. Oh, they're the worst. And they're like, well, this is messed up. And I was like, yo, I ain't fixing shit. And, and and one of the lawyers called me up and he goes, you know, we're having a, an issue with our real estate agent. I found your uh, company's logo and then I I, uh, I I Google searched your number and I was like, wow, like you should probably go through your real estate agent, but whatever. I'm a big fan of communication and uh, I, I hate real estate like you know games. 
uh, real estate agent games where it's like, oh, I got to talk to my real estate agent and then talk to their real estate agent and it goes to the seller. It's just like telephone. It's just like the message gets lost, you know? Yeah. So I was like, yeah, man, how can I help you? And uh, he's like, well, we need to get this fixed, this fixed. I said, hey, man, you're coming at me all wrong. Like, you know, he's just a lawyer and he's like, I think it's from New York or something like that. Like, there is like their house and then they were going to have like a carriage house in the back. And it was going to, anyways, they're smart. Yeah. I'm already hurt from this deal. <laughs> and, uh, and I didn't want to talk to New York people, talk too fast and like telling me that, you know, all my stuff's messed up. And so he goes, yeah, man, I need this fixed. I need this is like the home special stuff. I said, hey, man, like, let me tell you. And he goes, I said, can I be honest with you? And he goes, he goes, honest. Like, you're the seller. I said, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm honest with you, dude. Like, I'm ready to be that. Like, and he goes, he's, yeah, what's going on? I said, hey, man, I'm losing money on this deal. Like, you're buying this for $389,000, and I've got more money than that than you. It's like, you can't buy this house for what you paid for it. Like, or you can't, you can't make this house for what you paid for it. And he's like, nah, nah, you're kidding me. Oh, this is a tactic. I said, dude, I'll give you all the receipts, dude. I said, I'm, like, I'm going to walk away like less than 12000 Like, I'm, I'm going to lose like twelve, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 on this. And, and I was like, this is the first deal I've, you know, lost money on. And he goes, oh my God, you're serious? I said, yeah. And he goes, oh, all right. I said, yeah. I said, you got a really nice house, man. Like full electric, full plumbing. Like, you know, it's, it's got the sunroom that's uh, got wood from the Ford plantation out in uh, Richmond Hill. It's been imported in there. Beautiful. Uh, we saved all that. Like the way we did the electrical in that room, we actually pulled all the baseboard trim off and then uh, routed out where the outlets would go so we wouldn't actually touch any of this, you know, 100 plus year old wood. And like, just to listen to this guy try to beat me up, and I was like, dude, it's not happening, man. Like, I'm already beat up myself, though. Yeah, so that, that almost sucked. Well, that's crazy. But, but he was like, no problem then. Yeah, he was no problem. let it go. Yeah, yeah. So, because, you know, it was just a great house, man. And so maybe that's like a tactic for agents to know is like the better you know your client. Like, I don't know that much about listing houses. So, like, yeah. I might be totally full of garbage here. But, like, maybe it would help if they were just, like, honest, right? Like, if they, his realtor had spoken to your realtor and your realtor knew the situation and explained it. I know you don't like the telephone thing. Yeah. Like, maybe it would have saved this guy even trying to do all that, trying to find you. Yeah. If he knew the situation right away. Why? Well, I didn't tell my real estate agent. Oh. I, I felt so bad for it. It was the first deal that I lost money on. Like, I don't want to talk about that, you know what I mean? But, like, I was just, like, I was so done. I was, like, at my wit's end, like, dude, I'm just done, man. And, like, I don't, like, and this is another thing that, like, I think we should talk about when it comes to, like, performance and knowing yourself and, like, what's your risk tolerance and all those other things is, like, is, like, find out when you, like, when, like, as your energy, like, how, like, how do you flow? How do you function? How do you work well? Uh, like I said, like, my buddy who, like, doesn't like to work hard in the summer, like, hey, like, I just got to be in the mood and I'll work all, like, I'll work in the hot sun. It doesn't bother me. Um, but what I found is like, there's like, I can, like, I can wake up, give me a little bit of time, like 10, 15 minutes. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I don't need coffee. I don't need whatever else. I drink coffee, but like, I don't need coffee and I can function basically all day until I'm hungry. And then it's like, give me food and like, give me like 20 minutes and I'm good to go. Then afterwards, like there's like, there's this like precipice that I fall off like hour eight, hour 10. And it's just like, it's like falling off a cliff. And like when I was a bartender and like I was working doubles, it's like, yeah, uh, hours one through eight are fine. Hours eight to 12 or eight to 10, nobody's happy. If I'm not happy, nobody's happy. And uh, so, so you just like know that. And so like he hit me up at a vulnerable time and I was like, you know, I don't care, dude, like whatever. And there's been certain times where it's like, you know, 
as an entrepreneur, and you know, as somebody who, who does, who, I was, and entrepreneur is a dumb word. Like I'm a small business owner. Like you look at my Instagram, Curse B too, or Bell Homes LLC on Instagram. Uh, it says small business owner. Like that's it. That's you know, small business owner. Because that's what I am, a small business owner. And like there's trials and tribulations. So as you go through the like, daily like struggles of like, yeah, this is awesome, or oh man, this is terrible. Like this is the worst day of my life. It's just like understanding like where you're at with that situation. So, so yeah, like. Uh, Sometimes you just gotta gotta understand like where you're at and, and be vulnerable uh, and and understand that you know if you're in a vulnerable state sometimes don't pick up that phone just <laughs> let, let it ring and, you know and that's also why like I've got a great real estate agent now because like I'm not good at negotiating you know for more of my stuff you know um, I'm really good at negotiating people down but like I'm not always good at negotiating people up or, or my stuff up you know it's just it's a thing I'm not good at it let's have somebody else do it so. Let me ask you this. Uh, we kind of passed over a little bit, but you talked about making the hood good. Mm -hmm. I love Arsley Parks. It's so established now, whatever. Yeah. What do you think is, where are the future neighborhoods in this market? Like, what do you think? What do you think is the next? Brunswick. <laughs> 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 no, I'm, I'm just selling Brunswick because I'm going down there next year. Well, probably later this year. We're going to buy some more stuff over there. Um, but uh, yeah, so Savannah, Savannah's awesome. Um, so markets, supply demand, one one. I mean, that's that's what markets are. So uh, Savannah was such a good market for so many years. Excuse me. Um, but just for Savannians, of course, there's a lot of people that come in here now from SCAD, young professionals and other things like that. So 2017, 2018, 2019, uh, I realized about 50% of the houses that I was selling were to out-of-state buyers. And so... What this means is that, and, and about half of that, so 25% were retirees, and they would get a home equity line of credit uh, on their condo in Jersey, and they'd come down here, pay cash or something, and then take six months to move down. Cool. The other half were young professionals, and like they were doing this thing that I didn't know about, and they were working remote. And I was like, what? Like, I was in the Army. Like, there's no remote working in the Army. <laughs> you show up or you, you, you're not going to have a good time. Yeah. And uh, so then, and then I was flipping houses. So I was like, you show up or you don't have a good time. And uh, so I was like, remote working? Like, what's that? You know, some of her digital nomads. But there was, you know, this one, uh, you know, uh, she, she came to, she went to a wedding in Savannah. Met a boy. Uh, and a Coast Guard actually stationed at Hunter. And um, uh, decided, you know what, I'm in HR. She's living in Phoenix, Arizona at the time. And goes, you know what, I'm making like $65,000 a year. Um, I've got a condo. Um, I'm just going to sell my condo and then move out to Savannah. So she tries to quit her job. And the guy goes, no, I'm not taking your resignation. And she's like, no, I'm moving to Savannah, Georgia. Like, I don't want to be in Phoenix, and I work in HR. I'm guessing there's a company or two out in Savannah that needs an HR rep. And so he's like, all right, cool. Well, you know, what do you need uh, to stay? And she goes, no, I'm, I'm not staying. Like, that's the thing, I'm not staying. And he goes, so you want to work remote? She goes, I can work remote. And he goes, okay, so you'll stay, you know, three days on here, and then you can do weekends in Savannah or whatever else. And she goes... No, no, no. And he goes, how about this? You work remote full-time over there, and then I can give you $20,000 for this. 
And she's like, $85,000. I work remote. I live in Savannah. He goes, yeah. So this, so she sells her condo to one that flooded when it rained. Because like when it rains in Phoenix, it rains in Phoenix. Um, and so she bought a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house in the state streets for one sixty-nine um, with a yard. And she sold her condo for like two twenty, so she bought that thing for like one sixty-nine. Her down payment was like a giant. Her mortgage was nothing, and she's making twenty thousand dollars more in Savannah, which is way cheaper than Phoenix. And she's got a yard and another, you know, five hundred plus square feet of you know a house that doesn't flood. And so I met her. I was like, "Oh, you're smart." And so when when smart young people are doing things, I was like, oh, this is the trend. Like, and I started seeing more people. I started talking to more people at the bars and you know out out about restaurants, the beach. And I was just like, you know, where'd you come from? Like, what what are you doing here? Like, oh, I work remote. Oh, I work remote. I was like, man, that work remote sounds pretty dope. Too bad I don't like sitting in front of a computer. And uh, so then twenty twenty hits, and I was just like, oh my god, this is the future three years early. So when you talk about like, what are the areas of Savannah that are increasing in value? Supply and demand. Where like the supply is, I'm making it up for people who are listening, a small little circle, it's this, this big. There's a huge amount of demand because we're not, we're not competing against Savannians, we're not competing against Atlanteans, we're now competing against everybody else. And guess what, our houses are dirt cheap. Guess what? You want to spend two fifty in Ohio? That's fine. Two hundred fifty k in Ohio? You're not close to the beach. Indiana, Iowa, North Carolina. I mean, any of the like inner inner areas. No, yeah. We just have Rust so much more. Yeah. Yeah. New Jersey, New York. Those beaches suck. You know. Plus uh, tax there. I mean, there's a bunch of reasons. Yeah, but it's one of those things that you have the charm of Savannah. That's just incredible. You've got a small limited housing supply, but you also have so much good small startup housing, like starter houses. Um, and then, and, and yeah, so I would say anything within like a 10 to 15 minute drive of downtown is gold right now. And it's just finding those pockets. So you and I have talked, obviously Live Oak is big. Even Parkside's big. When people are like, oh, Parkside, like Parkside. Uh, Parkside's huge. Yeah. yeah. So Parkside's huge, but then what that means is that everybody on the other side of Daffin, Live Oak, like Live Oak, people think Live Oak's like, there's no way it's going to be like anything's going to be worth like over 300. No, no, no. I'm saying it's coming. Oh, yeah. And it's just going to go flooding through there. Because like, Daffin's so nice. Yeah. Just like I also think like that Parkside coming up, huh. all that stuff that is, um, I, don't, I don't know where the dividing line would be, I guess 55th, like south of 55th uh, and, and no, like so, so east 50, of Waters. So it's 52nd and that's a Sackville, so a Sackville and Yes, there. yes. Mm-hmm. All that stuff right now that's like so cheap. You got arms on one side and parks, it's parks on the other and then like all you're it divided takes by the little, Truman. Like, yep. It makes no sense why it wouldn't fill in. Yep. And it's so cheap right now. Well, dirt cheap. It's coming up now. Yeah, it's coming up. Yeah. And the thing is, that, yeah. So, so that uh, obviously East of Truman, there's some good stuff. State Streets, obviously. Um, Although I don't know if the state. I think the state streets. And tell me your opinion on this. I think that there's a lot of hype right now around there, but I think that it might be hampered by the fact that they have all that low-income housing on Pennsylvania. I mean, there's 550 units that that are, you know, I mean they look nice, yeah. but yeah, you know. They're super low income, like crime rates are crazy right there. How much do you think that the state streets will ever be like a live oak or a or even a uh, uh, Thomas Square? Or, you know what I mean? No way, Thomas Square. Because the thing is, like, so you're looking at like so Thomas Square, Starland, you know, those areas, like those are big giant Victorians. That's true. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then like so Benjamin Van Clark, 
has some Victorians, and some of Live Oak has some giant big Victorians craftsmen. Like those things are, they will always go for a higher price premium in Savannah because we love history here. Right. Yeah. So that's true. Yeah. I got and, and so, but the state streets are always going to be like there's going to be you know kind of block by block as Savannah is, but you're just going to have people that are like, oh yeah, hey, we moved here for like three years and we, you know, because people are you know, learning through YouTube and these other things, they can do a bathroom remodel. They can go paint their house. And so the, you're going to have young professionals move into these places, fix these things up, and then put them on the market and move on to someplace else, whether that's military, whether that's remote workers, whether that's whatever. We don't have to have IBM here. We don't have to have Boeing here. We have we can take their workers and have them working in Savannah, these high-performance people in Savannah, living for dirt cheap, pocketing a ton of their extra money, living here for three years, Improving neighborhoods and then rolling and that's I'm, I'm totally fine with that and So yeah, so I don't think you know, I don't think the state streets you're gonna see a three hundred thousand dollar house anytime soon over there But will it come? Yeah, you think so? Yeah Well, I mean also inflation like that's a real thing. Yeah, I mean that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah the inflation's like yeah. you know another thing um, I want to ask you about which is as a landlord. How are you preparing for? So I talked to Aaron Miller on the podcast. I don't know if you yeah. listened to that. It was like last fall. No, I didn't. But yeah, I love Aaron. Yeah, I love Aaron. Yeah, he's awesome. Him and his brothers. Uh, so we were kind of talking about the fact that they saw kind of an exodus of SCAD students, and they thought that exodus would last like all of 2020. But what ended up happening was all these northern people filled those spots. Well, now SCAD's going to come back presumably next fall. <laughs> What's about to happen? Like there's almost no, there's almost no rental inventory downtown. And we haven't even seen all these scad kids come scad kids come back yet. So a lot of the scad kids did come back, and okay. this is super weird because like I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, they're gone. But like, if I was eighteen, if I was nineteen, and I was like, hey, we still have this lease. Like, I don't want to stay with you guys, my parents. I want to go back to Savannah where my friends are, and like a lot of things. I think a lot of them, and and correct me if I'm wrong. Like I I. I so I don't live with my parents, A, and they're, and I don't live with my grandparents. They're all on the other side of the country. So when COVID hit, I was just like, man, I didn't give a shit. Um, because I was a young, healthy person, and my grandma was far away. Yeah, agreed. Same so uh, call me callous, whatever. Um, I thought all these people would go away, but, you know, I talked to my family and talked to some other people. It was all like, oh, no, we kept their college kids away from us because they're in their dorms with their own social bubbles pretending that their 19 year old kid isn't going to go out and party on these things but it was like okay cool like if you've got a 19 year old kid who's doing a bunch of dumb stuff recklessly uh maybe you know uh having a bunch of social contacts and then bring it home it's safer to send them back to where they live so, so a lot of kids came back a lot of kids came back last last september yeah okay so, i didn't realize that i haven't been hearing that either. yeah oh, well sure. i mean my, mine were okay so like we had a bigger hit in our in the bartending community because uh, I, I run about 30% of my stuff to bartenders and, and service industry people. Has that uh, recovered mostly? Yeah, thankfully. So, <laughs> yeah. There's some crazy, I, I actually listened to Joe Rogan, which is a little off topic, but uh, you being from LA, it's like kind of relevant, but I heard these guys talking about the fact that 70% of restaurants in LA close, Dude, most of which will be permanent. Yeah, it's so wild. And I think it's like, I go back to LA and it's just like, Chains and, and BS and just like it's a nice place to visit. Is it, like, have you been there recently? Uh, I was there in October in twenty twenty. Was it dead? Yeah, I mean it was super weird. Like all the museums were closed still, and like you're in a museum, like it's like it's only like outdoor museums, like LACMA and some other stuff like that. It's just like this is super weird and wild. And of course, you know the tents are crazy and and, and other things like that. But um, it was so wild, you know. 
I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so my <laughs> let's get political right now. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Uh, so I took my grandma out to eat uh, for fish and chips, and the first time that she, so from October, so from March to October, she had been out to eat. So I took her out to fish and chips, an outdoor restaurant, and there was like four tables of like her favorite fish and chip joint that has like probably s- eh, maybe about forty tables inside, about ten usually outside. And there was like four outside, and I was just like, I don't. I don't see this lasting. This there's like there's only so many fish and chips you can sell to like keep this rent going. Right. Uh, yeah. So, but I mean, I, I, I. Are they still open? I don't know. Should ask your grandma. I don't know. <laughs> so, so, it's sad. I imagine living in LA like it makes it extra sad. Like because you grew up around all that. Yeah, my grandma's crazy though. I love her to death, but like, so she she doesn't quote unquote. I'm doing air quotes. She quote unquote doesn't go out at all for COVID. Every day she goes out to the Salvation Army to pick up blankets for the animals at the, uh, at the um, uh, shelters and whatnot. Uh, you know, my sister buys her like cat food. She's a crazy cat lady. But uh, you know, sometimes you know Andy, one of her favorite cats, doesn't like the food that my sister gets her, so she has to go to Target. Uh, but no, no, no. If you ask, you know, hey Grandma, have you been outside during COVID? Oh no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every, like the easiest person to fool is yourself. So, um, once you realize that, it's, you know, then you go, oh, okay, well, I should dial back some stuff. So, right. So. Have you um, thought about investing in California at all since you're from there? Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I had grand ideas and grand um, thoughts about uh, having a bi-coastal business. And, uh, you know, my sister did my books at the time. was phenomenal. And I was like, this is great. She bought a flip house. And I was like, ooh. This is kind of a shitty flip house. You should have me before you bought it, but whatever. Uh, so she kept it as a rental and actually just refinanced. She's doing well. She bought a uh, million-dollar place, which is so nuts. So in L.A., it's, like, right next to the freeway and, like, not in a great place in L.A., but she paid a million bucks. It's, like, 1,400 square foot, three-bedroom, two-bathroom, and there's a duplex in the back. But, you know, her mortgage is, like, after everything's said and done, like, maybe 1,200 bucks. So, eh, not bad. Um, and so I was, like, cool, like, we can do some gentrification stuff in LA, blah, blah, blah. And right around this time, it's like 2018, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty good at this, you know, thing. And she was living in downtown LA area, which, you know, was built around the same time as Savannah, 1890s to 1930s, Victorian houses. I was like, I can do this. And I had some fortune builder people that were over there. I toured some of their stuff. I was like, how you doing? Da, 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 like this and this and this. I said, all right, cool. You know, I'll pressure my Spanish and we'll be good to go. Um, <laughs> And I went out there seriously in 2018. Was like, all right, I think Boyle Heights, um, Long Beach, and Ventura are all excellent markets. Um, and then there was like rumblings of some like tax increases. And then um, if I spent more than a certain amount, I was like, any oh yeah, any income that I generated in California, uh, I would have to pay taxes on. So even if I was like a Georgia LLC doing business over there, I would have to pay all this extra money on there. And it was just like, I got to a point where I was just like, this, there seems to be a lot more complications and all the numbers were big. You know, it's like, you know, do I raise half a million dollars to then put in, you know, a quarter million dollars into like, so, you know, the cheap things that I was buying here for like dilapidated $15,000, 3,000 square foot Victorians, I was buying for $15,000, I would be buying for like 400, putting in about 250 plus, and then sell for like 1.1. And it was like 2018, I was like, mm. I'm 
pulling 100 G's from this last flip that I did here. And I, just, I was like, yeah, I think I'll be here. I think it'll be just fine. And um, so, yeah, so I, I'm, I think I'm very blessed that I did not do that decision. <laughs> yeah, that would be tough right now, huh? Yeah. And, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with, oh, there's nothing wrong with L.A. Uh, I just don't want to live there. I don't want to work there. Right. So. Um, let me ask you this. With the rise in costs in the past year, how have you kind of dealt with that? Because, I mean, like, you guys are doing some pretty significant volume. I imagine that's like... I raise my prices. I don't, I don't want to pay this stuff. Like, like, people have this assumption that, like, oh, my God, business owners are getting, you know, screwed by lumber prices or tax increases. No. But a lot of cases I feel like, or not, I feel like, like, you can look right at the numbers, right? In in certain neighborhoods, the appreciation has kept up with the with the increase of co with the increased cost of um, materials. Materials, yeah, but not in every neighborhood, yeah. right? I mean, like so. Yeah, that's why I don't play in the south side. Sorry. So <laughs> <laughs> like, like there, there's money to be made in those places. Like that's what like I'm. Uh, so Savannah's an awesome place because you get cash flow really high. And you also do a bunch of appreciation, and it's very rare for most markets. So, uh, my big thing is. If I'm not, like, appreciation should be the cherry on top once you do everything. But, like I said, there, there's so much demand for these prices, for, for these houses around here. These are, those are the only places that I'm looking at where, you know, for the last two years, you know, it's just been like, okay, the longer my projects take, I'm adding five, four to $5,000 a month to my, like, sale price, which is stupid. And that's not, that's unsustainable. Don't be wrong. <laughs> like get, it, get in while the getting's good. So. How long do you think that it'll be before that all kind of catches up where you maybe are investing more for uh, the appreciation than you are for the cash flow? Um, I think I think there's, you know, I'm, I'm at a point right now where, you know, because at the beginning when you start out in real estate, like if you have one deal, like all your eggs are one basket. Like I don't have that anymore. Um, so there will always be like speculation there's always going to be like hard numbers, uh, good investments, and and just understanding like where your cash position is. So I really prefer, especially my rentals, like cash flow. Um, and and like there's a lot of places in Savannah where you can like speculate with high cash flow because like we've got a lot of hood around Savannah. And like you go to West Savannah, you can buy a rental for 50 G's and it'll rent off for 750 to 900 bucks a month, all day long. And guess what? They're building a giant arena. Right by it. Yeah, do you think that that'll appreciate that area? Yeah, I'll get into that next. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. yeah, yeah, I got like a whole. I, I do want to know about that though. Like, yeah. do you think that in West Savannah that that arena is going to help, or do you think it's not going to make any difference? At all? No, it's definitely going to help. There's, it's, yeah, of course it's going to help. You know why? Why? Because the mayor's got a bunch of money invested in there too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's going to change. Um, and the thing is, like, West Savannah's. You know, go, go crazy, Carver Heights. Well, so West Savannah is actually a different part, not where the arena is. Everyone yeah. thinks West Savannah. Yeah, yeah. So that's actually the Carver Heights, Carver Village area. Um, and and so you know, uh, it's been historically like completely underdeveloped on all that sort of stuff. But yeah, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of places you can pick up for fifty to one hundred thousand dollars that they can rent from seven fifty to twelve hundred bucks. And like I love what they call what I call grandma ghettos, and the fact that like it's a ghetto neighborhood. Like it's not like it's lower middle class, but grandma's around. And doesn't allow a bunch of young men, which, so, I will tell you this, this is my thoughts, excuse me, when it comes to real estate and, and just people in general. The most dangerous thing is a pack of young, uh, young, young 
uh, male youths. That's why the Marines and the Army and all sorts of stuff are very important to have because, like, and my dad used to say, like, you're smart. I used to say, oh, they pack of dudes. Yes, you're smart. Kevin's smart. You know, this other person's half smart. But the three of you together, it's like you guys have zero brains. <laughs> you know, because they just do dumb things. And so you need to have, like, a strong figure up top. So having a grandma ghetto, the grandma was like, hey, I don't care where you're at. You know, you're going to be home by, new, by you know, dusk. You're going to make sure that the uh, lawn's mowed, like, like you don't go out before your chores are done, all this stuff. Even though it's lower class, it's or lower lower economic, you know, situation. Yeah, I got you. It's still better, and you can and you can ride by because you can ride by, you know, uh, Burroughs uh, Burroughs Street in Kyler Brownsville, and all it is is just like they're living zombified people, you know, crack, drunks, trash everywhere. But you go a couple blocks over. Same price per, per square foot. Roses, lawns are mowed, chain link fences, you know, things are Elderly people walking the streets, hanging out. Yep. Yeah, I so. agree. I, I never really thought about that that much, but that's one of the reasons why I love Camp Park so much. Yeah, Camp, it's Park's, like, Camp Park's one of those. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. like, it's, it's, it's like definitely lower middle class, right? Mm -hmm. You can tell just because the condition of the houses yeah. is not great, right? Mm -hmm. But they upkeep it. Like, yeah. Even if they can't afford to put a bunch of money in the roof, like they can afford to mow the grass. Yeah. They can afford to put pl flowers out front, uh, flowers out front, and it looks great. Like, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's clean anyway. You know. And, and that's the big thing is like, is like, do you have like? It doesn't matter if you have an old truck or an old house or whatever else. Are you keeping up with it? Yeah, you are. Okay, cool. No worries. You know what I mean? You have pride of ownership. You know, and those are those are important things, and that goes into like a rental community versus you know this is like more market research stuff, like a bigger picture, but like you know. Are most people, you know, homeowners or are they renters? If they're renters, then they probably don't give a crap, you know? But if they're homeowners, they've got a solid investment. So. Let me ask you this, uh, kind of like, where do you still get uh, education from? Like, are, is there guys that you're listening to? Is there books that you've been reading lately? Yeah. Like, um, no, that's a great question. Um, so yeah, so I, I definitely listen to a lot of podcasts. So I read a bunch, um, which not for not for health uh, or excuse me, like muscle building or anything like that. I run because it helps my head. Like uh, some people meditate, I try to, um, and then, but it, I find it really nice to run with a podcast on. So bigger pockets always like they're great. Sometimes I'm a little annoyed how gimmicky they are. I kind of sound like a like a radio show, you know. <laughs> um, but then I also try to branch off into other things that are not real estate related. And more investing related. So, uh, if you guys are listening or still listening to this, um, one of the best podcasts is "Invest Like the Best," and uh, it's it's uh, Wall Street Quant. He's a quantum guy, so very math based, and he is always looking for the next edge and really employing his network to grow his hedge fund. So this guy, like like you, me, uh, you know. A lot of the people we know wouldn't be allowed to even invest with him, and yet he gives his knowledge out for basically for free. Uh, Eric Weinstein, uh, the portal is great. Um, a lot of these investing podcasts are are, are phenomenal, um, and that once you start realizing like capitalization rates is like the apples to apples approach to do businesses, then you can kind of go, oh, is my real estate business like worthwhile on the grand scheme of things or not? Um, and having that. You know, Wall Street discipline of like finding alpha 
Uh, so beta is basically like the market. So 8% returns on the S&P 500, that's beta. If you do anything better than that, so you make 10%, that 2% that you make between the 8% S&P 500 and your 10% return, that 2% that's alpha. So you're generating alpha. So the things that I do is like, hey, I'm paying, you know, if the S&P is making 8% and my returns on these things are, you know, 20, 25%, well then yeah, I want to go play in that. So uh, good podcasts are definitely there with that. Um, understanding just market research um, and what markets are. Um, real estate is very unique. It's a private market uh, compared to public markets. Um, there's a lot less hype. Um, and then, yeah, I would say, you know, uh, what was the podcast you mentioned yesterday? Uh, oh, how I built this. Yes, excellent as well. Um, and then, and then really like fundamental books. So the E-Myth, uh, Traction, um, understanding that like businesses are super, super similar. Like, there's really nothing new under the sun unless you're pushing like big new technology and the only thing you're changing is just this technological aspect and finding out how much runway do you have to put into R&D until you run out of money to bring it to market. And even if you bring it to market, how much money do you have before it actually does return on profit? And to understand that every business has an accounting department, an HR department, a marketing department, a research department, like all those things, they're all the same over. And so the things you learn about Amazon, the things you learn about, you know, um, who's that? Kate Spade. Oh yeah, Spanx. Mm -hmm. Right? No, uh, I'm sorry. Wow. Yeah, different one. No, a different one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Kate Spade's the choices. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, 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 and like all those are the same businesses. <laughs> and then, but like Kate Spade, like, you know, she did very well for herself. Yeah. And then she killed herself. Yeah. Like, you got to realize, like, like, things are crazy. Well, and success does not always equate to happiness. And I think oh, that people think yeah. that, like, you, like, happiness is just around the corner if you just make, like, X amount of money or do X amount of deals or yeah. perform X well. Totally. But it's two separate races, right? Yeah. Actually, I talked about this at length with uh, Teresa Cowart. Did, did you have a chance to listen to that? No, no, no. Uh, We'll, we'll talk offline about her. Okay. Uh, she has this great, like, part in her episode where she just talks about, like, she was 25 years old, and she was driving down the road, and she had a boss call her, and I don't remember the specifics, but essentially she was, like, got off the phone, she was really upset, and she was, like, it was, like, at that moment when I, like, decided, like, I can either, like, choose to be upset because of what this person is saying, or I can choose to be happy. And so she just, like got in the habit of choosing happiness. And it wasn't instant, right? yeah. It takes years to master. Yeah. But it was just like, it wasn't anything external that made that happen. It all happened in here. Like, and that's the only way to get to that point. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and that's that's a huge thing like, when it comes to, in, A, choosing happiness, because it really is a choice. Uh, and, but for the beginners, especially in beginners in real estate is or business or whatever uh people entering the workforce is like you're gonna deal with a lot of people that have a lot of issues and they're gonna take those issues and they're gonna take them out on you hurt people hurt people well i mean but just like i mean it's been a situation where like you know my my plumber like dude i love to death man but that's a nut case um and so i just realized like do i get good joe or do i get bad joe and, you know, Bad Joe got in a fight with his wife last night. Bad Joe couldn't collect the check. 
and you know he's 60 he's got this big old silver belt buckle he's got these you know always these big old shit kickers like he's great you know what i mean and the first or second time he did that because like you know we we're great you know i was a new client so he wanted to put on his best face and then i saw his real face and i was like oh my god but i already seen it before i go oh yeah no worries like Joe's got other issues. It's not a big deal. Like, it's not that I'm bad or I messed up. It's that just, Joe's got a vent, you know? And, right. and a lot of these things, like, just like, oh, yeah. You know, I was um, walking my dog the other day, and uh, this lady, you know, uh, she stopped about, like, I don't know, 50 yards behind me. I'm, I'm not huge, but, you know, people don't roll up on me very often. <laughs> and, uh, and it's, uh, you know, she, she's, you know, rolled down the car window. Hey, hey, pick up your poop. I was like, you know, this is like, like when people yell at me, like I don't look, because if people look, if you look, that means they got your attention. <laughs> I was gonna they got real estate up here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so you know, I'm also this lady yell, and I was like, what is going on? Poop? Like what? I'm walking my dog. I walk my dog. Oh, he's pooping. And then I, I, I start registering. She's yelling so loud. I just, I'm not even like registering the, the words. And she goes. You're gonna get your, you know, effing dog, you know, pick up his goddamn poop, blah, 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 off my mom's lawn. And I'm, I live two doors down. I've talked to her mom. Her mom, you're cool. And I, and I look over and I reach my back pocket with my plastic bag and I pull it out. And I go, man, I'll pick up this poop. Not a big deal. Oh, you better do this, blah, blah, blah. I almost shit my lawn. Da, 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 da. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. It's not my problem. I'm a good neighbor. Like, I'm not your mom. I don't know you. This is the first time I've seen you. And I'm going to pick up the poop because even if I know your, don't know your mom, I'm still going to pick up the poop. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a responsible thing to do. And, and This lady was just looking for a reason to be upset. That's what you are trying to say. Super angry. Okay, super pissed yeah. off. And, like, to yell at a stranger and just to project so much, like, hate and issues just like man it doesn't reflect on you no not at all yeah. and it's just like man I feel so bad for this person it's just like yelling so effing hard you know what I mean it's so easy though to yeah. like especially when you're young like so I'm only 25 yeah. so like I have a really hard time wait you're 25? yeah I'm 25 what? yeah so oh, like man, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway I recognize like my shortcomings emotionally cause yeah. like you know when you're 25 like definitely um and I think it's hard to remember what you're saying right now. Yeah. Like, I think it's so important to like, yeah. kind of try to stay conscious of that because yeah. it's easy. it would be really easy for you to listen to that lady and then for the rest of the day, like, let that ruin your day. Oh, yeah, yeah, Like No, no, no. So, so immediately after that happened, I, I texted my friend. I was all like, oh, my God, you wouldn't believe this lady. She was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't believe what this happened. <laughs> so, you know, you just got to, like, you got to enjoy, like, you know, those lives, like, those things, those, those moments in life that are just, like, so ridiculous. Like, who gets yelled at for, like, you know, your dog pooping in a lawn that, like, you didn't even realize what was going on, so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was going to take care of it anyways, but, yeah. <laughs> so. um, let me ask you this. If you could go back day one, Curtis, and you could, like, you're, like, your time machine, you go back day one, you... What would you tell yourself? Like, uh, like situations you could avoid, whatever. What advice would you give yourself? Like, what's to, what's day one? Because like, I, I gotta talk to Doc Brown. Because like, you know, he heard me. So. <laughs> I don't know. I guess like, the first day you decided to get into real estate, whatever day that was, whatever that. Is. Um, what would I tell myself? Yeah. What advice would you give yourself? Uh, be patient. But, uh, you know, I think that's, I think it's a big thing is like, it, or, or maybe yes, like know yourself, 
Um, I think a lot of people don't take like personality tests. I, I think a lot of people don't read enough, um, you know, self-help books. Um, I, I think people just don't understand that they have literally, excuse me, um, all human knowledge, like basically accessible from a phone. Literally for the first time in human history. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. dude, like, what are you doing? So, I mean, yeah, I, so for me personally, like, you know, and, and this is so specific knowledge, it, you know, it's just, uh, you know what? Mm. It, it would probably be like, like, you can do it, you know? You can do it because, like, I, I remember growing up as a kid and I wanted to be, like, a fighter pilot. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, and it was, it was either race car driver or fighter pilot. And, um, you know, like my kindergarten staff, like I go home and I have a Christmas and like look at my own staff. It's like race car driver, fire pilot. It's all about there. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, no, 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 knock to my my mom or my dad or, or anybody around at the time. They're like, oh, being a fire pilot is super hard. And like my grandpa was like, oh yeah, well I tried to be a fire pilot, but like I was too tall. And like they only hire people like are five eight or less. And I was like, okay. And then you know I'm a sophomore in high school and I'm you know five eleven. And I was just like, well I guess I'm not gonna be a fire pilot. So like what like what else you know but like nah i'm gonna find a pilot with six foot one like god damn it i could have done that you know and i've met so many other people that have done like really cool things i go oh wow no like like they're like if you put your mind to it if you want that goal like you can get it like, like don't limit yourself yeah don't limit you know and also like set crazy goals like um you know like one of my big goals is like i want to be a, i want to be a millionaire by 31 that was a big thing because like millionaire by 30 like i thought was very aggressive yeah yeah, yeah. you see man, millionaire by 30 like that's really aggressive you know but I was like oh I'll do 31 anyways like I said my books weren't great um I found out that I was a millionaire by like November of uh 20 let's see yeah 2018 but I didn't know that until it have been 28 no 29 29 okay so but I didn't know that until like February of or excuse me I guess uh, March 1st of uh 2019 because I did my on a Q1 meeting, my books, and I was like, oh my god. Um, I've been a millionaire for four months, and I didn't even know. Well, it feels weird to be a millionaire. Yeah, I know, right? You know, but, but also it goes, it was like, it was like, that's only a number, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. And, and like I said, like, like, I mean, and when people say, oh, you're a millionaire, like, yeah, yeah, guess what? Like, hey, 2020, guess he was negative in their bank account a couple yeah. times. This guy. That's what, you know? I mean, like, I don't have to get too far off topic, but yeah. it drives me crazy when people are like, Jeff Bezos has 156 billion dollars he shouldn't have that much money like he does not have that much money no that, that is not like, like the dude makes like $85,000 a year salary from Amazon and I'm not saying he hurts at all like I'm not no, saying, no, don't no, feel no, bad no. for Jeff yeah. Bezos yeah. but like it's not like the dude's just rolling in like $100 billion no, no 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 so the thing is like it's just paper or it's just <laughs> sorry we're, we're no no so, so the big thing is that so you know talking about Bezos well, like, it, like no they've got they've got way more money than, than what's going on the thing is that you want to look at is like your normal like like uh, birds heating and air conditioning like the local AC yeah. guy you've got these other like small businesses that have been you know done over a couple generations and like those things are worth anywhere between 10 to 50 million dollars that being said is that legit liquid no it's not no it's not, no, it's not. Yeah. I mean and a lot of those operating margins are like 10% 12% and so, if you have a ten million dollar business, you may have ten million dollars or a million dollars in operating capital. Uh, but depending on the situation, that, that might actually just be cash reserves because they've been to, through th through two thousand eight, two thousand seven. Um, they they're expecting the next one to, to go through, and and yeah, that's cash, but it's sitting aside. It's it's set aside so when things go 
sideways, like in 2020, they have money to move into other stuff. So like, you know, we talked a little bit yesterday about, you know, uh, 2020, and when everything kind of like hit the fan, and I just like, thankfully was able to pull out some money, some equity from my properties so that my guys could be paid. Like, yeah, did I have money? Yeah, sure did. Where did I spend it? Make sure my guys got fed. Make sure my guys, you know, had money to, you know, feed their kids and continue the business. So, you know, that's, you, you try to plan for the, you plan for the worst, you hope for the best. Um, and the thing is, like, people don't realize, like, how awesome Amazon is because they don't take advantage of it. You know, it's like, the first people that, you know, like, my parents were like, I remember as a kid, Bill Gates was like, oh, Bill Gates is like, so, he's so rich, da 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 well, it's like, yeah, we had, like, one desktop computer. Like, we didn't know the whole thing about it. Like, we were doing, like, AOL. Like, so it was, like, me, <laughs> yeah, right. And, like, I remember, like, playing on the internet. I'd be like, this sucks. Like, I don't want to wait here for, like, the page to load. This blows. But it's, like, when you understand, like, oh, hold on a sec. If I'm a research scientist in 1994 and then I can send an email to somebody else, you know, and make a respond later that day and it doesn't take four days for my... Uh, for my correspondence to, to, to go take effect. You know, my uncle was talking about that. He was a professor, a math professor at uh, FSU. I hope I got that one right. I think the one in Tallahassee, whatever. Um, like I said, I got kicked out of college. I'm not the best at colleges. Is it uh, FSU? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, so but he, he was like, yeah, it, it changed, you know, changed my life because I could type an email to another math professor, you know, in Missouri or New York or other stuff like that. And then, so the time frame, instead of being a week, was now a day. Uh, yeah, two weeks ago, I mean, yeah. like the studio. Yeah. Two weeks ago, you text me, mm -hmm. you say, hey man, can't wait to be on the show, can't yeah. wait to see the new studio. I say, time's on, like, I better make it a new studio, yeah, exactly. right? Well, and like, look what the internet like allowed me to do. Like, yeah. hat, like 75% of everything in here is from Amazon and it came within three days. Isn't it crazy? And like, if I had tried to do the same thing like three, like three, like 30 years ago, or 20 years ago even, Yeah. No way, no way. Yeah. I've been spending weeks looking at department stores, yep. looking at local businesses, trying to find, like, it would take me forever. I, there's no way I could have got it done in two weeks. Out of this. So, uh, my parents just came and said they were supposed to be, they are supposed to stay at my house, which is taking way too long um, to finish. But, long story short, I was like, uh, I had some tents move out of another place I have, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to throw it on the Airbnb market because it'll be great. I can, oh, my uh, parents have a place to stay. Um, and my buddy who I used to Airbnb his place while he was gone, uh, he lives there now. So perfect. I've got the bandwidth now to have another one of these things. Went on Amazon five G's later. I've got twin beds, queen beds, art, you know, all the dishes, all the utensils, you know, a kitchen island set, you know, everything I need within days, within days. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, go, that's you know, how, like, you can hit on Jeff Bezos all you want, yeah, but this dude was, like, grinding, like, in, like, have you seen, like, the picture of him, like, in the 90s? With, and, the, with the door desks? Yeah, it's got, like, the Amazon, like, mm -hmm. banner, like, mm -hmm. old Amazon banner behind him. Mm -hmm. This dude's just grinding by himself. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, so, so, and for those who are into cars, uh, so, Rock Auto is usually an awesome place. Yeah. So, if you have Amazon Prime, it's 100 bucks a year. Nothing crazy. So I work on cars. I do some other stuff, whatever else. Um, but if you just, if like you can get parts from Amazon, and they're twenty to thirty percent cheaper than they are anywhere else, and they're legit. Like 
you know, Ford Motorcraft or like Delco or like all these other legit brands delivered to your door, free shipping. And it's like, like I had to get an O-ring for some random thing that, oh, a dipstick O-ring, the most random thing ever, for a 7.3 liter uh, diesel. And it's like a $45 part from Ford. So I bought it for 20 bucks. So in one, one, one purchase, it's $25 savings. And delivered to my door in two days. So I ordered on Tuesday. I was going to work on it over the weekend. Got there Thursday. So if I do four parts like that over an entire year, it pays for itself. That's adding value. You know what I mean? And so, like, for the stuff that we do, you know, we're both in real estate. It's like we're adding value like that. You know, oh, I'm, cre- I'm creating, like, these, these you know, awesome places people live. I'm adding value to my neighbor's, you know, uh, equity. I'm adding value to myself. My investors are making eight to ten percent on you know, on their money, secured. It's phenomenal. City's making a bunch of money off of me. Or Amazon or real estate, me, real quick. Have you like gone on there like, shopping for like, uh, uh, like, uh, kitchen fixtures, light fixtures, stuff like that? Oh yeah, it's insane. Dirt cheap. Any flipper out there that like wants to find. Honestly, pretty decent quality products for yeah for cheap cheap yeah Amazon's the place to go. Look, I can buy it. So we've been doing a lot of these black faucets. Yeah, yeah, dude, 120 bucks at Home Depot, Lowe's, yeah. whatever else, 40 to 60 bucks. It's, you know, it's and it's nice. like really nice. Like it's nice, it's clean, and like the thing is, like they've got either brass or ceramic components and a lot of stuff. So yeah. Anyway, so growing up in LA, it's like <laughs> they, they, put, they they put a bunch of um, different things in there. So they've got these like um. Uh, qualifications for like uh, I don't know if you've seen like the stickers and things where they'll be um, California compliant for cancer yeah everything yeah. yeah so then a lot of stuff is also low flow so basically because like it's a drought state yeah so you can't actually put all the water through so they have these like super skinny lines so a lot of these like Chinese things that are coming over they just don't sell them to California and so you get all these awesome great like mega flow awesome like what a faucet should feel like or a toilet should feel like and and it's awesome. They just restrict, hey, we don't sell to people in California. <laughs> As opposed to how deep on Lowe's where they have to have all this inventory and it has to go to all 50 states. Right. Because California is such a big thing, they have to basically just, you know, do it all over the inventory. It's like, well, we're just going to cut you guys out. Like, oh, all right. Interesting. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about it. Uh, yeah. Uh, I get a lot of my mirrors. From there, vanity mirrors, they're so much cheaper. That's so crazy. much cheaper. Yeah. Uh, I get art from there, like I said. I get vanities. I get vanities from there. Like, they come flat-packed, and they look cooler and better. And then I, I get seller feedback from, you know, from these, um, or seeing buyer feedback from my, you know, flips. And they're like, oh, my God, we haven't seen this, you know, vanity. Because they've seen five other flips, and all the five flips are Home Depot, Lowe's, or Florida Decor Vanities. And it's like, where do you get this vanity? Oh, good luck now. No. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to see it all the yeah, time. it's fine. <laughs> because the thing is, they're just going to come up with more stuff. Yeah, no, seriously. Yeah, I tell every investor I can, like, like you will save literally thousands by going to Amazon. It's the way to go. Yeah. And I mean, they got, like, cool stuff, too. Like, I got this, uh, this vanity light, and it's, like, LED. So, like, it pops out, it's black, and it's just... Super thin, super cool. I'm like, yes. The LED like drops down. The bathroom light. Yeah. Yeah. It makes, yeah, it, yeah. It makes it look great, dude. So. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And the, and the, you can like adjust like the the uh, orientation. Oh, I haven't messed with it that much. Oh, yeah. One of my guys just put it in there. That's cool. <laughs> oh yeah, it works. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it, uh, <laughs> doers do or checkers check. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
How can people find you? Uh, so Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I also have a website that is uh, it can slightly complete, but it's, it's okay. Uh, so uh, my personal is Curtis B two on Instagram uh, or Facebook is uh, Curtis Bellnut. Feel free to hit me up. Um, my corporations is um, Bell Homes LLC uh, on Instagram, bellhomesllc.com, and then Facebook, whatever.com slash bellhomesllc. So you can check our progress. We do a bunch of cool stuff. Um, looking for more deals? Always looking for more deals. Um, I'm actually probably one of the few people that, that isn't looking for a whole lot of deals. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. I've got, um, I will be, you know, in the, in the future. Yeah. Um, but but there's there's a surprising amount of deals that are still out there. And I, I'm have you read Shift by um, Gary Keller? No, I have not yet. All right, you need to read that one. So Gary Keller and, and I, I put him out there all the time. Gary Keller, like millionaire real estate investor, he he, it, he yeah. made me like really excited about real estate. Um, so Gary Keller's Keller Williams uh, of fame. And um, so Shift is how to shift your business when a market downturn. So you'll see a market downturn. I think probably in 2021, 2022. Um, and and you just gotta shift your business, and uh, make sure that you're 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 doing well enough now that you have enough to, to shift ever. So. I'll check out the book. That seems like a uh, a good note, but like a negative note to <laughs> and I'm um, like whatever. Anyway, thanks for coming in. Hey Josh, thank you so much. Man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, see ya.